And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Joshua Wall walks in, got the one Major Junior. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potter from the Guelph Storm. This is Axler LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Natai Gauthier. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. Hey, guys. This is Ty Nelson from the North Day Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Show. NCAA. This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota Duluth. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of the University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon Lee Kings. My name is Adam Guyam. I'm playing for Chippewa Field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin. I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms. I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pats, and this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Brandon! This is the Pipeline Show. Well, great weekend, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming, and I really appreciate you downloading this week's episode. Or if you're a regular listener, thank you for continuing to come back. If you're a supporter at Patreon, honestly can't do the show without the support from the patrons. If you'd like to become a patron and enjoy perks like early access, go to patreon.com slash show and see if it's a fit for you. couple of bucks a month U.S., or less than that, if you subscribe on an annual basis, you get a big discount there. There's also seven-day free trials. I encourage you to look into that if you're interested. The Pipeline Show is brought to you by our title sponsor, Wilhock Beef Jerky, because you can't win friends with salad. Three Edmonton and area locations, Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. It is Alberta's best beef jerky, and I dare say it's the best beef jerky I have ever had. Easily. I can say that easily. And I highly recommend it. You can go to their website at wilhockbeefjerky.com and they will ship your order to you anywhere in Western Canada. This week, it is part four of our WHL season preview as we've been going team by team across the league. It's a 22-team league. We did five teams in week one, five teams in week two, six last week. A little math for you. That means six this week as well. So another absolutely overstuffed show I think you're going to really enjoy it. Let's get to some news and notes before I tell you which teams are in the spotlight this week. Well, the CHL, the regular season gets going not this weekend, but next weekend. Here's what's been happening in the exhibition schedule, though. In the Western Hockey League, Berkeley Catton has overtaken the preseason scoring race. He has nine points in just three games. Diego Batazzoni from the Portland Winterhawks is next. He has eight points. And Connor Roulette also has eight points. He's now with the Spokane Chiefs playing on that top line with Berkeley Catton and Chase Berthelet. That should be one of the top scoring lines in the entire Western Hockey League. Should be pointed out, Jagger Furkus only played one game in the preseason for Moose Jaws. He's off to uh, NHL camp with the Seattle Kraken. One game, six points in that one game. So... That's a pretty nice debut for him. Zach Benson also five points in just two games that he played before going off to Buffalo's camp. And when it comes to goal scorers, three players have scored four goals thus far, Zach Benson being one of them. Josh Zakreski of the Portland Winterhawks has four goals in three games. How about this one? Shea Van Ohm, former Edmonton Oil King, traded to Kamloops last year. He's got four goals in two games. This is a guy who always seemed like he had 
some skill and some talent, was playing further down the depth chart here in Edmonton because obviously they were going for it. And two years ago when he was here, he was a very young player. So he was, you know, a fourth liner. Some nights he didn't play. Well, now it's uh, right in his wheelhouse and he is uh, looking good here in preseason. We had John Keane from the Blazers on a couple of weeks back and he said he's looked really good in camp. So we'll see Shea Van Holm maybe taking his game to a whole nother level here with the Blazers. In the Ontario Hockey League, Carson Raykop leaves the uh, OHL in scoring. Four games, 11 points for Carson Raykop. And I would assume that he has left the team at this point and is off to Seattle Kraken camp as well. Matthew Sopp from Kitchener with nine points. Luke Misa with the Mississauga Steelhead has seven points in uh, preseason. Martin Misiak, who uh, was the first overall pick in the CHL import draft, played last year in the USHL with Youngstown. He has six points in three games for the Erie Otters. We know that the Q started earlier with their exhibition schedules. They've got uh, six, seven games under their belt already. Yuri Klima leads the way with 11 points in seven games. Alexandre Blaise has 11 points in just five games. Let's jump over to the Alberta Junior Hockey League as regular season gets going tonight. It's now Friday, September 15th. Full slate of games. But a quick look at the preseason schedule, the exhibition season. The Bonneville Pontiacs, 5-0. Benoit Pouliot, the head coach in Bonneville, joined the organization in September last year. He's actually signed an extension, so he's going to be with the Pontiacs for the next couple of years beyond this. Well, he's got the team looking good so far. Outscored their opponents 27-8 in the exhibition schedule. The Brooks Bandits also go undefeated. Only played three games, though, because they were over in Sweden in that uh, showcase tournament over there, uh, which they won and were undefeated there. No surprise to see the Spruce Grove Saints with a 5-1 and record in the exhibition. So were the uh, Whitecourt Wolverines and the Sherwood Park Crusaders. I don't know that we anybody expects the Calgary Canucks to. Can they keep this pace? They were 6-1 and one in the exhibition. We'll see. I think it's been a while since we saw one of the Calgary-based teams, and they are now the only Calgary-based team, have been for a few years, but it's been a while since they were uh, a, a real factor. Meanwhile, exhibition not good for Fort McMurray or Canmore. Both of them go winless in the preseason. But preseason's done. Doesn't matter anymore. It gets going for real tonight across the AJHL. USHL exhibition, uh, just a couple of two or three games for most teams. Joe Connor from Muskegon has six points in two games. Cameron Briere, five points in three games. He plays for Tri-City. Undersized Max Swanson with Fargo has five points in two games. Some, Some guys getting off to a pretty good start here, but the USHL just getting underway. How about the regular season in the North American Hockey League? They're playing the Showcase in Minnesota. Some teams have played four. A couple of teams have played five games. Most have played two or three so far. The Rhinos of El Paso with a 4-1 and one record to begin. New clubs like the Colorado Grit. Well, they lost their first three games, but they're now on a two-game heater. They're 2-3 two and three to begin their North American Hockey League season. The New Hampshire Mountain Kings are winless after two games. The Rochester Americans are 500. They're 2-2. Two and two. But they have the leading scorer, Massimo Gentile, who happens to be Canadian. He's from Montreal. Leads the North American Hockey League in scoring. In fact, he's tied in the top spot with Sixten Genersho. 
who comes from Sweden and plays for the Northeast Generals. Hey, do you know Sports Radio is back in Edmonton? Go to edmontonsportstalk.com where you can listen live or you can watch live. Dustin Nelson, you know him from TSN 1260 Days, and of course he's uh, one of the play-by-play guys for the Canadian Football League on TSN. He's on throughout the day at edmontonsportstalk.com. Myself and Dean Millard, former co-host here on the Pipeline Show, we were uh, guests on the EST Hangout. That would be the Edmonton Sports Talk Hangout. That goes from 9 to 11 Edmonton time. It's great to catch up with Dino. And you can also hear the Pipeline Show. Saturdays at noon and Mondays at 8 p.m. And note, those are not different than what you're hearing right now. This episode will be aired on Saturday at noon and then again on Monday at 8 p.m. All right, let's get to the guest list for this week. And of course, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline based in Red Deer, Alberta. Craft beverages worth sharing. And I say beverages because it's way more than just craft beer. You've got the troubled tea, delicious hard iced tea. You can get vodka drinks, you can get gin drinks, you can get spirits, you can get soda. You can go to any liquor store in Alberta, and if they don't have Troubled Monk in stock for you, you can ask them to bring it in. You can check out their website at troubledmonk.com slash shop. The guest list for this week and the order that we will hear from these guests is as follows. Now, we've been getting the play-by-play guys from each team to come on the show to do these previews. Well, Brad Curl of the Calgary Hitmen, unable to join this year. So Jeff Hollick, his uh, color analyst on the radio, will will step in and take over those duties. So we will begin with the Calgary Hitmen this week. From there, we'll go to the Portland Winterhawks. And Nick Merrick, one of my favorite play callers in the Western Hockey League, has an outstanding preview of Portland that I think Winterhawk fans will really appreciate. Then a couple of newcomers to the Western Hockey League, Matt Barrett taking over the microphone for the Swift Current Broncos, and Austin Drowdy is calling the shots, literally, for the Wenatchee Wild. And he's not on the radio, but uh, if you're going to have the Tri-City Americans in the spotlight, uh, you know, why not have the general manager? That's Bob Torrey, and he handles the preview duties for the Tri-City Americans. And our final guest, our final team in the previews, the Prince Albert Raiders and a new play caller for the Raiders is Nolan Cole. He will close out the show this week. But we start with Jeff Hollick of the Calgary Hitmen. He is up first here on the Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Eric Comrie from the Tri-City Americans. Break away from center. Vasco coming in on Comrie. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Trevor is lonely. Yeah. So Trevor threw a big party and served salad. Nobody came. Mike is also lonely. Yeah, it sucks, man. So Mike threw a big party and served Wilhawk beef jerky. Go Wilhawk! Go Wilhawk! Everybody came! Wilhawk beef jerky. Because you don't win friends with salad. Wilhawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky. In Leduc's Bruce Grove and West Edmonton Mall. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Excellent! 
We are back on another week, final week here of the Team by Team WHL season previews uh, as we've been uh, doing this for the last three weeks and uh, we've got six teams left to go. We're going to begin this week with the Calgary Hitmen and of course a reminder of the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it in three Edmonton and area locations but uh, save you the drive. Go to their website wilhockbeefjerky.com and they will ship it to you anywhere in western Canada. All right, down to Calgary now as uh, the Hitmen and the Oil Kings uh, connected this past weekend in a preseason game up here. Uh, the Hitmen won that game 4-3. to three. But to uh, talk about the uh, the Hitmen roster, uh, now we've been getting all the play-by-play guys on, but Brad Curl's a little busy farming right now, so uh, we're upgrading. We're going to get a ratings boost because <laughs> Jeff Hollick is uh, my guest as we uh, kick off the previews this week with the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, Jeff, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Yeah, we're, we're doing good. We don't see Brad Curl in September at all here in Calgary. He's out in Saskatchewan helping his family do the farming, and sometimes he even misses the beginning of the regular season when I get to do some play-by-play. But yeah, yeah you got the second fiddle here today, so we'll... We'll try to help you out here today. I appreciate uh, you making the time like this, uh, and I, I'm sure it's exciting time. Everybody's getting ready for the start of a, a new season, and uh, what's the the atmosphere or the mood like around the team right now? Yeah, well, I, I've been at training camp a little bit here. I didn't get a chance to see the preseason games, so you probably know more than me if you watched them in Edmonton the other mm-hmm. day. But uh, they're they're you know there's excitement for the coming year. Uh, they got a lot of young players, and uh, you know they're not building towards a championship this year. But you know the excitement is there. They're really excited about the young guys they have coming up. And it's been quite a battle for the last couple of spots on the roster. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the final decisions are going to be made here in the next seven, eight days. How do you think a change at the general manager position is going to change things or affect things on the ice? And maybe for people, who casual fans who weren't aware, maybe update them on what happened. Yeah, Jeff Chenoweth, who was the general manager for five, six years, uh, parted ways with a hockey club a couple of months ago. didn't happen right after the regular season, so I'm not sure what happened, uh, you know, in a couple of months after. Usually when you hear that, you know, the person that's leaving eventually gets a pro job somewhere, but I haven't heard what happened there. But, you know, a couple of years ago, they added Gary Davidson to the, the scouting staff, the management staff, and all that. He he guided the Everett Silvertips for many years, yeah. and uh, he, was joined, he joined the hockey club a couple of years ago. So he's got the experience, so now he'll take over that role not officially as the general manager, but the director of hockey operations. So I'm not sure what his philosophy is. I'm looking forward to talking to him more one-on-one. I know with Jeff Chenault, I spent, you know, 15, 16 years with him when he was the owner and general manager of the Kootenai Ice. So I really know his philosophy, you know, 22 players on the roster. He doesn't want big rosters. He wants everyone to play. He wants the young guys to play all year because if you can't, you know, play in, in September, October, how can I count on you in March and April? So those are some of the things that I know Jeff Chanel was all about with Gary Davidson. I don't know a lot of his philosophies. If he, you know, what he feels like for young guys, if he likes to make a lot of trades, but boy, his, his track record is pretty good when it's time with the Everett Silver Tips. So different that way for the hockey club this year. Uh, the coaching staff is the same with, with Steve Hamilton. They do have a new assistant coach in, in Don McGilvery, who has a long resume, most recently the head coach of the Brandon Weekings. So uh, a lot of experience added over the summer with the, with those kind of changes that way. Is this the first year the WHL hasn't had a yes. Chanoth in the league? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Other than the trophy, which is handed out to the WHL championship uh you know, in, in uh, March, April there, May actually, no, the Chanel name will not be a part of any WHL team as of right now. It's, yeah. it's kind of weird, isn't it? It does. It sounds weird. Um, all right, let's look ahead. But first, got to reflect mm-hmm. uh, on the players who are not back from last year's roster. Of course, every team 
loses their uh, 2002 born players from last year. Uh, and for Calgary, that uh, includes leading scorer Riley Fiddler Schultz and, uh, and starting netminder Braden Peters, as well as uh, Jacob Wright up front. So, uh, some th- three pretty big cogs in the machine there in uh, Calgary. Anyone else from last year's playoff team who is not back with the team now as we get set for the regular season? Yeah, there's a couple of guys that are still in WHL. They traded 19-year-old forward Brandon Wynott to the Tri-City Americans for a draft pick and also tra- traded 20-year-old defenseman Trey Patterson uh, to Seattle for a draft pick. So those guys are still kicking around. They had a few other players, like Heward was there, former Edmonton Oil King, mm-hmm. uh, no longer with the hockey club. So a lot of players have moved on, uh, but not as much as some other teams. You mentioned the three key guys that lost. You lose your number one goaltender, who's been their number one goaltender for three years, and their number one centerman, who's been in that role for two or three years as well. So every team loses key p- play pieces, but for Calgary, those are a couple that have been uh, in key roles for a couple of years there. All right, well, let's focus on the roster in the here and now. And uh, I guess the uh, first to say going into camp probably a bit of a question mark with the net mining because Ethan Buenaventura is a good goaltender but he's never had to be the starter so there it, I think it's fair to say there's at least a, some question whether he can carry that load and uh, I believe Alex Garrett is still with the team right now anyone else uh, with uh, with the hitmen at this point I only see two goaltenders on their roster so I think they're ready to go you know move forward with those two guys Buenaventura will be in his third year with the Calgary hitmen the backup to Braden Peters uh, there was a couple of times the last two years where Peters, the starting goaltender, had injuries and for a long stretch, and Buenaventura was counted on him being the number one guy. And I really was impressed on how he, he grabbed the ball and ran with it in those stretches. He had a rough stretch towards the end of the regular season last year. I think he only won one of his last seven games. That's not all on him. That was the team just seemed to run out of gas going into the postseason. And Garrett is an 18-year-old. Uh, he's only played one period of hockey in the WHL. That was a couple of years ago. Um, in filling in in a game, I think, in Saskatoon. So, you know, they're not very young in goaltending, but a 19-year-old starter and an 18-year-old backup. So that is a big question mark. Can Buenaventura be the guy all year long? I think he's ready to be a number one goaltender, but is he ready to be a top 10 goaltender like they had in Braden Peters the last couple of years? Right. All right. So that'll be a, an area to watch for, uh, for sure, if you're a Hitman uh, supporter. Uh, now, well, let's go to the blue line and uh, some... Uh, lots of experience here and some key guys uh, as well. And one particular player uh, eligible for the draft this year who uh, I think a lot of people should take note of. Uh, but up front, the uh, couple of options for 20-year-old players this year, enticing Galloway and Keegan Slaney. I know Galloway is off to NHL camp with the Flames, uh, along with uh, Oliver Tulk and a couple of other players uh, off the NHL camps as well. Uh, what do you make of uh, Calgary's blue line core as it speaks? Yeah, I think it's the strength of their hockey club just based on their age and experience. You mentioned Tyson Galloway, a 20-year-old who was drafted by St. Louis a couple of years ago and not signed to a contract. So when the season ended six months ago, it's like, I had no idea. Is he coming back? Is he going to sign with St. Louis? If not, is he going to be redrafted? If not, is he going to join another NHL organization? And that still could happen. And, uh, and you got Slaney, another 20-year-old. Here's a guy from... You know, came through Edmonton, so you know him very well. Five mm-hmm. foot eight, and uh, you know, just a, a pit bull out there. He just plays with an edge all the time. When I was watching him at the end of training camp, they had one more, um, you know, intra squad game, and he was playing like it was game seven of a playoff series. So he doesn't know how to turn that switch off. So a couple of key guys there. Then a couple of 19 year olds, Graydon Seepman, who was talked about maybe being drafted by an NHL team the last couple of years, maybe as a fifth or a sixth round pick, but never got drafted. Just a great offensive defenseman, moves the puck well. 
was in the top 20 in defenseman scoring last year, so you expect to be maybe top 10, top 15 this year. And another 19-year-old defenseman they acquired from the Victoria Royals in Spizaka. He doesn't have a lot of big offensive numbers, Guy, but maybe he's a stay-at-home defenseman. But right there, you have two 20-year-old defensemen and two 19-year-olds. So, you know, you can count on them to be on the ice a lot. And then you got Carter Yakinchuk because of a late birthday, um, he's going to be drafted this year in his third full year in the WHL. And here is a guy that just exploded the second half of last year. If the NHL draft was to be held today, and I know you talk to way more people than I do about the draft, Guy, but there's talk of a first-round pick, late-round yep. pick right now, but maybe we'll move up as the year goes on. But you know, So there's your fifth defenseman, if you look at it as, as based on age. And then you, you include uh, uh, Dax Williams, who was a rookie last year. He's 18 years of age. So you got two 20s. Two 19-year-olds and two 18-year-olds all returning with WHL experience. And then you can throw in their recent pick in the import draft, a defenseman out of Sweden, Axel Hertig, a seventh-round pick of the Calgary Flames. So after the Flames camp is done, I'm guessing he's going to come and join the Calgary Hippens. So how about that for age right there? And I haven't even included maybe possibly a 16-year-old in Reese Hamilton joining the hockey club. He was the fourth overall pick in the WHL draft a couple of years ago, and you'll be talking about him next year for the NHL draft. He is highly rated. So right there, I've got what, seven, seven defensemen yep. and a, a lot of experience. So that's the strength of the hockey club, I think, going into the season. And another guy worth pointing out, because he was here on the weekend, is a, a big guy, Alexi Chichkin, mm-hmm. who yeah. he's six foot four and a half, like six foot five. And thick, man. This guy was, he takes up a lot of space on the ice. So there's a lot of size, a lot of veteran experience back there. And even a guy like Chichkin, who hasn't, I don't think he played in the league before, but it looks like he's capable of stepping right in for sure. Yeah, his size really caught my attention at training camp. He played in the BC League last year. And when I saw his size, six foot four, six foot five, I thought, well, if he can skate, he's got a chance. He looked pretty good on the ice. I didn't see enough of him, Guy, to have an impression whether or not he'll make a hockey club. But yeah, that's another added bonus to your roster uh, for an 18 year old that came, pretty well came out of nowhere. And uh, just to go back to Yakumchuk for a second, uh, he he's been a standout in this league for well, certainly last year. But there were times the year in his rookie year where I was like, oh, that's a guy who seems to know what he's doing out there. And that's when he was 16 uh, in his 16-year-old season. He's he's a really intriguing player, and I think he's up to 6'3 now. He's got to be closing in on 200 pounds. He is the uh, he's, he's the real deal. Yeah, when he was a 16-year-old, I called him a riverboat gambler because he would just take chances. He would just jump up on the rush, and the coaching staff encouraged that. Yes, he made mistakes, but he developed very well. And and last year, a slow start to the year, but the second half, he scored, I think, what, 14 goals in the last you know 14 weeks of the regular season, a lot on the power plays, and, you know, helped Team Canada at the under-18s. And you can go on and on how this player just has developed so well. And uh, he's going to be talked about a lot this year. I know when we had the Kamloops Blazers in here last year and uh, we're talking to uh, uh, some of their coaching staff, and the one name that came up was this Carter Yakumchuk. We watched him on tape. He's a pretty interesting player. Mm-hmm. So when you got those kind of guys talking about players they just saw on the internet through webcasts and things like that, you know he's being talked about everywhere. Jeff Hollick does color for the uh, Calgary Hitman on their radio broadcast. He's my guest here to uh, look ahead to the coming season uh, for the Hitman. All right, well, let's go up to the the forwards and. Uh, one notable name for sure, Sean Chagall, who drafted by Anaheim, but again, not signed. Uh, but he is off to L.A. Kings camp. So that's interesting, going to their arch rival team down <laughs> in, in California. Uh, but uh, how would you describe this this forward unit 
overall, if if the defense is the strength of this team, what do you make of the forwards? Yeah, they're very young on forward, and and this is a hockey club the last couple of years that um, uh, didn't have enough skill. You know, I compare it to a football team. You watch a lot of football, right? Geek? Sure. So Calgary was a team to me the last couple of years that would get the ball at their 20-yard line and take 16 plays to drive down the field and get a touchdown. And the other team would have a Patrick Mahomes and two passes. They would score a touchdown. Right. So everything Calgary had to do to score goals last year was to outwork the opponents, generate chances. The skill the skill was there. It's not like you and I were on the ice ski. I'm not <laughs> saying Calgary didn't, didn't have skill, but just didn't have the skill the other teams had. But we saw the second half of the year, a lot of those young guys found that confidence and found the goal scoring, and they're going to need that this year. Sean Chagall, um, you know, if he doesn't sign a contract with some pro team, he's expected to lead the hockey club. He had, you know, I think five shorthanded goals a couple of years ago to tie for first in the league. He had a couple more last year. Uh, you know, he'll be counted on to replace Riley Fiddler Schultz in so many ways. Even though he's a winger, he can play center as well. But I don't see a lot of goals from their older players. Uh, they acquired Carter McAdams from Prince George last year. He's 19 years of age. So he got hurt too after the trade. So don't get a sense of how much production they'll get from him, but they're, they're going to have to expect 25 goals from him. Marinkovic, another 19-year-old forward as well. He only scored five goals this year. He was a rookie that made the club as an 18-year-old, so can he take that next step? And then after that, you've got the youth that this organization is so excited about. Oliver Talk, David Adazinski, Carter Wetch, and those guys, even though they're 17, 18 years of age, Guy, they're going to be counted on to play top six minutes, power plays, and, and things like that. So if those players take a big step this year it's going to be a hockey club that doesn't need to drive down the field 15 plays uh like they had to do the last couple of years Carson Wetch already getting some attention for the draft uh, next summer as well right yeah I'm hearing what early mid-round second round pick but he's a player I think as scouts watch more maybe we'll move up to a late first round pick I really like his game he's got speed uh, he's got a great shot as well he's comfortable on the power play doing one-timers when called upon and the one thing that stood out about me with Carson Wetch is a 16 year old rookie last year there'll be a lot of two-on-one breaks where he had the puck and if I was 16 years of age I'm passing that puck I'm a new guy why am I taking the shot he, he wasn't afraid to take the shot scored some great goals and the confidence was there in his own game and, and his ability to to finish as well so Carson Wetch is a name that you're going to talk a lot more as the year goes on Guy, as you do your draft profiles it'll be interesting to see how high he can move up from where he is right now yeah three points at the Helenka Gretzky Cup this past August uh, for Canada uh, playing in that tournament. And uh, yeah, he, I thought he looked great here on the weekend as well. And so did another player who'd be a rookie this year, I believe, in, in Keats Fawcett. Is it Fawcett or Fawcett? I'm not sure, but uh, he looked really good. Scored a great goal, actually. Uh, they ended up being the game winner. Boy, that's a name I've seen a lot. He scored a goal in each of their preseason games. I saw him a little bit at training camp, but didn't didn't spend a lot of attention looking at him because he was never drafted. You, you know, didn't hear a lot of his name, you know, as far as being a prospect Calgary can watch out for. But I saw a post-game interview with head coach Steve Hamilton after one of those preseason games, and he mentioned Fawcett's name. And when a coach does that... I'm going, he has caught the attention of the coach. So he might be a surprise to make this club as a 17-year-old. You look at his numbers, he scored, what, 15, 20 goals in each of his last couple of years. So here's a player that could come out of nowhere and make this club as a 17-year-old. So uh, scoring the preseason, uh, it helps you stay around a little bit longer. Is there still a question mark in your mind going into the regular season now after we, well, just exhibition just about to wrap up, so I guess for a couple of weeks out, but is there still something that you're like, well, I'm not sure how this is going to work out. We've got to take a little bit more of a wait-and-see approach to it. 
Uh, I want to see which players make the club as rookies. Like I've got 16 players returning from last year. And then you throw in the defenseman they got from Victoria, you throw in the defenseman they drafted from Sweden, you throw in they need a backup goaltender. Suddenly that's 19 players. And if they go with 23, that leaves four open spots. And we already talked about maybe Fawcett making the club. Uh, there's another young player, a forward, Chase Valiant. He, I think he's going to make the hockey club. So now that's you only have one or two roster spots left. So who's going to make the hockey club? And as I talked about, a lot of experience on the blue line. Do they decide to make a move and trade a Galloway or a Slaney away and get a 20-year-old forward and try to balance the roster that way. So I think there's some question marks for me that way, mm. whether her take comes from the Calgary Flames camp, how does he look, and things like that. But I really think, you know, I look at that defense, and if I have eight guys there, can you move one of them to help your forwards down the line as well? So that's the one thing that's is, is kind of irking in me right now, and I can't wait for the season to start so I can fill in the blanks with a couple of those things. Well, last spring it was a, uh, a third overall finish in the division, but a first-round exit in the playoffs. From a fan expect- expectation perspective, what should they expect from this team this year? Where should they set the bar of, you know, what would be reasonable – for the uh, the hitman, is it get into the playoffs and go from there? Do they want to be? Uh, is this a team that thinks they can maybe contend for home ice advantage in the first round? Where do you see them? I think uh, they they want to be in that four or five spot. You know, challenge for home ice advantage for at least the first round of the playoffs. I don't see them challenging for one of the top three spots. In the division, I'm not really sure who are the top teams right now. Uh, I'm so bad at predicting things like that this time of year, but I don't see them being an elite hockey club. You know, they have no NHL drafted players, and we've seen the last couple of years the top end teams have, you know, with trades have like eight or nine NHL drafted players. So I don't see them competing with the elite. But I think they can develop into a team that can scare somebody come playoff time. But I really think they not just make the playoffs. I think they want to be in that four or five spot and at least try to challenge for a home ice advantage or at least try to avoid some of the two or top three elite teams in the first round of the playoffs. So I think that's the expectation going into the season. Well, Jeff, listen, it should be a fun year, an exciting year uh, for Calgary. And uh, we'll see how they shape up on the ice and where they end up in the standings. But it's always entertaining uh, to go to a, a Hitmen game. Uh, and uh, certainly when the Oil Kings and the Hitmen get together. And uh, a nice rivalry like that uh, is uh, fun to watch. And, uh, Jeff, I really appreciate your time. This was fun. I appreciate all the work you do covering the WHL. I hope you have a great year, Guy, and hopefully we'll meet in person one of these days as well. Here's Jeff Hollick, the color analyst on the uh, Hitmen's radio broadcast alongside Brad Curl. What do you make of Calgary's chances this year and their roster? What do you think? Are they a playoff team? I've spoken with some people who think they could actually slip out. I like that blue line, though. As Jeff described, their forwards are young, but seem like they're capable, and there's some size and pushback in amongst that group. I think the biggest question mark is in net, and that's not to say that Ethan Buenaventura can't be a starter in the league. He just hasn't been yet, so he's got he's got to prove that he can. If he can do it, then I think Calgary is a playoff team. If he falters, heaven forbid there's injuries at that position, that could really put Calgary into uh, behind the eight ball. Let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter or X at TPS underscore Gee. Next up, the Portland Winterhawks. Nick Merrick, new father, Nick Merrick. He helps set the stage for the Winterhawks next. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Hey, this is Cody Glass from the Portland Winterhawks. Gets the draw. Glass walking towards the net. He scores! First period hat trick. It's natural from Cody Glass. And you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Friday night, I crashed your pipe. 
passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goal. He scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious me. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. That's badass. It is badass. Really it's cool. Badass. Yeah. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, continuing to go around the WHL, getting ready for the upcoming season. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best, and you can get it throughout Western Canada, uh, which means my next guest won't be able to get it uh, where he is. Although they come to Alberta this year, so who knows? There might be one uh, little package waiting for him. In the broadcast booth, we'll see. It's the Portland Winterhawks, and that means uh, Nick Merrick, the radio broadcaster and new father, is on the Pipeline Show. Uh, Nick, welcome back. How are things? Gee, really appreciate it. Uh, always great to chat some hockey with you. It's nice. It's a little uh, little break from the, the chaos at home. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I just gave, well, she just gave birth to our, our first uh, first son, so he's he just turned two weeks old today. So we got the good pediatrician news. He's back to birth weight, and hands are certainly full here at home, but having a lot of fun just learning his personality and obviously very excited to get back to uh, kind of our more normal September routine with, with hockey beginning. Well, congratulations on that, and I'm glad that everything is is uh, working out well and uh, you get that learning curve. You, life changes, that's for sure, but uh, you're going to get to go on the road and have a break every once in a while, but uh, your wife won't have that that opportunity. That's actually a very good point. We're we're trying to work around that one right now too, because I, I was thinking about that. Like, well, you know, that little one extra night. Like, I better capitalize my sleep when we have a trip <laughs> up to Spokane. So, coach will probably be used to me snoozing right behind him. Uh, and, and who knows? You know, you're right. I, I get to see you up in Edmonton. I think at the end of the month in October. So yep. hopefully, I'll get uh, you know get the good gee flaming uh, three things to do and three things not to do with kids. Right? <laughs> oh sure, yeah. <laughs> Ask my son <laughs> all about that. <laughs> He'll tell you what not to do and what I did wrong. There we go. He'll give you a long <laughs> list, I'm sure. All right, let's get to the hockey. And uh, we always start these off by looking at who's not back from last year's roster. Of course, the Winterhawks getting into the playoffs uh, so we can reflect on the three O two born players who the Winterhawks lose. And actually, correct me if I'm wrong, it's only two guys. Uh, goaltender Dante Giannuzzi and uh, Robbie from DeLorme. Those two not back. And that's amazing because this is a good team last year and almost everybody is back. Uh, most of the leading scores. That's a huge bonus. But I imagine there are a couple other players who who aren't back with the team as well. I I know one for sure because he's here, and another one because he he's playing pro. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. It's uh, you know obviously Dante Genuzzi and that's a, a huge loss for the Winterhawks. He was top ten in, in wins category all time for us. Obviously played a ton since he was a 16 year old. Kind of got some call ups and then really helped become a staple uh, towards the end of last year, and then was kind of that number one guy going in when Jan Spoonar was trying to acclimate back to the States. And Dante's just an unbelievable person. Uh, I'm really going to miss him. Like, this is one for me now that I get to talk with you. That class, that O2 class was kind of like my rookie class. That mm-hmm. was when I first started in the league with Portland. So they were all 16-year-olds kind of just, just getting their first taste of their preseason games and regular season games. And, you know, I saw I, – I, I was on the call for Januzzi's first win. So that was – it's almost like that class had a special – uh, place in my heart and always will still does but I love to see that he got a you know a good signing deal with 
uh, in the ECHL with Utah. So he'll be playing with another Winterhawk alumni and a couple other around the WHL. Uh, Mason Manick has been there now for the past couple of seasons. So a uh, good situation for him to kind of see, test the pro waters. And then uh, Robbie from Delorme is the other one you mentioned, the forward. Obviously a great scoring depth piece for Portland last year. Uh, really good contributor, played in the power play. Got his penalty kill wings under him, too, during his 20-year-old season. And uh, I think I just heard he's actually going over to Vegas again for his second camp. Hmm. So he was there for their development camp. Now he's going for rookie camp. So a little uncertain of which route he's going to go, if a pro team's going to sign him or if he's going to opt to use his WHL scholarship right away. But that's kind of fun to keep an eye on him, and I'll see how he does uh, as, well, the rest of the organization, I'm I'm sure of it. Uh, So those are the two 20-year-old losses. And then I guess the other ones you could say are – uh, Chaz Lucius, right? He was he, he got that flash in the pan for about the six games until he got out for the season. Uh, but he's expected to be away with the Winnipeg Jets. Otherwise, he would be a 20-year-old, so he's yep. still eligible for the league. But I'd highly doubt he'd come back since he's full-time AHL eligible as well. Yep. I guess he was AHL eligible signing from uh, Minnesota anyways. But, you know, that that's a little bit of a loss. But the Winterhawks only had him for about, you know, two weeks of gameplay. So it, it's hard to kind of put those into perspective. Um, and then also Aiden Lick, you mentioned, obviously he's in Edmonton. That was an earlier trade in the summer. So the Winterhawks for oddly, maybe one of the first times in a while, uh, Mike Johnson and the staff were kind of talking and saying, this might be one of the first times in maybe five or six years that we've had multiple 19 year olds going into their 20 year old season. And they kind of had to figure things out because typically a lot of those 20 year olds will already be signed at pro contracts mm-hmm. and then you're going to lose them. So, you know, they kind of just wipe them off immediately. And that's even happened in the past with a Jarvis who made it to the NHL as a 19-year-old. Cross Hannis, Tyson Kozak, those guys went right to the AHL as 20-year-olds. Johnny Ludwig, he went as a 20-year-old. So you kind of have lost them. So all of a sudden, rather than worrying about five, you're really only worrying about three. Well, that's within the limit. So this past summer, it was the Winterhawks have five 20-year-olds and Aiden Litke, Ryan McCleary, Gabe Clausen, James Stefan, and Jack O'Brien. And you knew that two of them wouldn't be there. So quick move there with Litke to find him a good spot where he'll be able to play some quality minutes in Edmonton. And then uh, obviously the later one was kind of a blockbuster move for both these teams, but swift current trading for Ryan McCleary. So they had a 20 year old defenseman and the Winterhawks get some extra scoring depth and Josh Davies, who's that drafted player with Florida too. And he's really meshed in well with this group from everything I'm hearing right away. Uh, and he's going to be very exciting to watch. So that's kind of the big changes for the Hawks, but it's interesting because they got to kind of decide, do you keep a 20 year old D man in McCleary or do you like your your defensive depth because you have so many good 19 year olds yeah. that let's just keep our scoring depth in, in track since there's no Seth Jarvis's there's no Chaz Luce's who are going to score 100 points in a season you got to kind of do it by committee so it seems like they went with the latter and they chose to go by committee with the scoring well lots of a lot of veteran depth uh, not just on the blue line but up front you got the 320s you got four 19 year olds up front and four 19 year olds on the blue line and couple uh, still with the team in net and let's start with the goaltending position uh, Jan Spunar is, you mentioned, uh, the returning guy, uh, and but there's also Justin Merrick, and I think Luke Brennan's still with the team right now. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, yes. but yes. How, how does the goaltending position sort of look at this point as we get through exhibition and, and closer to the start of the regular season? You know, the goaltending position's in a really good spot right now for Portland. Uh, Jan Spunar, very likely expected to be the number one goaltender coming into this year. He kind of took over the reins, I would say, in March of last season from Januzzi. And he was obviously the starter in, in nearly every single playoff game for Portland last year. So he'll have that experience with him. He'll have the trust in the team. He'll know the system a little bit more. And hopefully this is where you see those European players take an extra step as well once they kind of get acclimated. Now they come to camp a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident what's going on. You're more adjusted to the language. There's a little bit of a language barrier still with Spoonar, but he's really leaned on his, uh, his Czech 
teammate Mark Ulsher quite a bit. Uh, and of course, the whole team has been really welcoming to him. So it's not like there's an issue there, but you know how that goes sometimes with trying to sure. figure out the different language barriers. So he'll be the number one. And then Luke Brunin uh, put together a really, really good camp. Everything I was talking with our scouts, because again, I was I was still on dad duties then, Guy, but uh, I, I got a chance to talk with our scouts and kind of how everyone did. And they were really impressed with his work. They just want to keep him going because right now it's his NHL draft eligible year. So maybe, I mean, goaltenders are always, in my opinion, a little bit of more of a late bloomer because they have to kind of catch up to that pace and speed of play. Yep. Um, but it's one of those situations where he could be coming in as a 17-year-old, and if he plays, I think he's got to start in about, what, 15 to 20 games. So make sure the confidence is there for him. Then Luke Brunin could very likely be playing you know, more than 20 games if he's kind of doing what he's been doing in camp and the preseason play thus far. And then Justin Merrick is just a perfect acquisition for this team because – you know, a little bit of he's battling for a spot, so it keeps the competition going. I could easily see him making the roster. Um, you know, maybe they want to start with three goaltenders right away because technically Jan Spoonar might still be away at, at camp in Montreal, which means then it will be Brunin and Merrick for the opening night uh, against Wenatchee on September 22nd. Or, you know, do, do you make the decision earlier where either a Brunin or a Merrick kind of goes back and and uh, plays some junior A before, you know, they need to be potentially called back up. So a little bit interesting. It's nice that the Winterhawks have some depth there because last year it was pretty much just, you know, Januzzi and, and Spoonar. Um, and then Brunin as a 16-year-old was kind of like that emergency call-up if needed. Right. They had Bodner too before they traded him, but uh, a little bit more set in stone, I guess you could say, this year. Well, I knew it's a great point that you make about guys maybe not back from NHL camps uh, when the regular season starts. And I think officially 10 10- Winterhawks are off to camp, and that's including guys you probably don't expect back, like Chaz Lucius, etc. But um, and that's a lot. That's a number of players who are who are going to be away. Um, and well, maybe we'll get to them as we come. But if there's somebody else you think that you know a forward or a defenseman that a question mark whether they'll come back, uh, let me know. But we're going to stick with the defenseman next. And you got those four 19 year olds we were talking about: Josh Morey, Merrick Alsher, uh, Ryder Thompson, and Luca Cagnoni, and that, I mean, that's such a great top four. And then there's some depth behind that as well. This is a really solid defensive core. It is. Mike Johnson said ever since last year, his focus kind of when it was, went to managing the team from the GM hat, uh, he was kind of saying, do, do we trust our young defensemen? Do we want to kind of gut through this season and see what they could do? Or do we want to give them some help last year and you know kind of make more of a push? And obviously everything kind of unfolded with Kamloops hosting and then Seattle making big new moves. And ended up kind of being, let's just trust our young guys. Like these, they're doing great. So there's no need to kind of rock the boat and change things up. And I think you're right. I don't know if any other team in the Western Conference is going to have as much depth as Portland will defensively. And I think that's very, you know, it's going to be a, a, a key suit for them moving into this early part of the season, especially because you're going to have to rely on some of those depth pieces to play well, maybe in the first week or two. Because if a Canyone, if an Ulster, if a Southern, if they aren't back from their NHL camps, technically it could be expected, then you're kind of losing three of your top four. So now a Rhett Ravendahl, a Josh Morey, an Alex Thompson, uh, a Cohen Massey, who's going to be a 16-year-old, uh, or 17-year-old rather, coming in. Like Those guys will kind of get a, a little extra minutes to showcase themselves. But I'm, I'm very impressed with the defensive group. They have a really good demeanor. They're very close and well-bonded. And you kind of hit it off the top key when you said how many people are back on this Winterhawks team. That's what's most impressive because the Hawks – so well last year and they at least got to make it to a round two performance where they faced the Memorial Cup team in, in Kamloops. Mm-hmm. They got to see what it was like 
And then when you get essentially, I don't know, let's say teams have 26 players when they get all their affiliate call-ups and stuff for the playoff run, 24 of those 26 guys are back. So that could be a big X factor for Portland because they didn't have as much turnover. So now they can hopefully just pick up where they left off and take that next step. And I think that's the big question for me right now is, like, who's going to take that big step going into this next season? Canyoni was on the first power play unit. I'd expect him to say Ryan McCleary is the one big missing piece on defense because you had to trade him with the 20-year-old situation. Mm-hmm. So now is an ulcer going to step in there on the power play too? Is, you know, is a player like um, uh, Southern going to be the main quarterback? Are they going to go with two defensemen? Do they want to just do the four forwards, one D? So there's a couple personnel questions that I'm sure Kyle Gustafson will work out with the power play personnel, but confidence-wise, I mean, that, that unit's got to be through the roof. And in terms of um, uh, players signing, I think the only one to question would be Ulster right now because he technically did sign his ELC with Florida, mm-hmm. uh, but only a 19-year-old. So I, I think the organization obviously still very well expects him back. It's just obviously whatever Florida wants to do there. Yeah, no rush. And he's going to play a lot and play probably well into the spring uh, in Portland. So if you're Arizona, why would you uh, not send him back? I, I agree. Uh, as a Flyers guy, tell me more about Carter Southern because uh, you, you said potentially he could be a guy who sees time as a quarterback on the power play. Now, he had four goals last year, 20-some points. Didn't necessarily strike me as offensive-minded guy with those numbers. Do you think there's untapped potential in that regard to uh, Southern? I really do think there could be there. It, it almost kind of draws a flash of a Johnny Ludwig for me in the past, and mm-hmm. he is the ultimate defensive defenseman first especially in the Western League, and Ludwig was a physical presence. Southern's a physical presence. They probably have, the, you know, they're, they're the best uh, hitting D-men back there, too. They do a pretty good job in the defensive zone. And then all of a sudden, Ludwig went from, like, that same situation. He had about four or five goals. Then all of a sudden, he had 17 goals. Right. And I think a lot of that was just because of minutes that were given to him because different defensemen graduated. So I'm almost expecting some of that same with, with the minutes that McCleary had. Uh, it very well might may well float to Southern and he's been playing all last season with Canyoni. So two guys that got drafted in the same year within what, like 15 picks of each other between round four and five. So they're going to be very comfortable. And, and he was one that I absolutely loved because he had a chip on his shoulder coming into this past season when he was frustrated and, and you know, rightfully so that there was such a log jam at the time for Portland on defense that he wanted to play in the league as a 16 year old. And the coaching staff said, you know what, we like this kid, but we just need to give him one more year. He's going to be kind of buried in our depth chart if he came as a 16. But if he goes back and plays in Manitoba, he'll be able to play top minutes. He did that. He, he won the defenseman of the, of the year in his league. Uh, he was a first-team all-star, so kind of checked every box that he needed to there. Came back to camp before his full 17-year-old season, which was last year, and just blew it out of the water. And he went from let's make sure he made the jump to all of a sudden he cemented himself in a top four role. So right. he's really progressed nicely. And, and when we got to talk to him now, he's kind of one of those like, yeah, it was a good call by the coaching <laughs> staff, but it, you know, it just ticked me off because I just wanted to be there. I wanted to be in Portland right away. So it's one of those, you know, not, not a lesson, but it's one of those like learning experience where you're like, Hey, not everything needs to go the way you think it needs to go. And you can still find your success. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And it, it, you're right. I mean, most teams, do that most teams will send their 16 year olds back unless they're going to play like regular minutes uh and it's it could be tough to take uh, for the for the player but in the long run it's it's the right thing and it's uh, obviously benefited uh carter southern to this point as well let's go up front and uh, again so many returning guys you said it's going to be offense by committee well just throw out some names who you expect to be uh leading this club offensively 
well, the easy ones are the 20-year-olds. When, when coaching decides to go with three 20-year-olds back in the forward core, Gabe Clausen, who was your captain last year, he's back. James Stefan is back. Jack O'Brien is back. All three of those players could easily put up 80 points this, in this 20-year-old campaign. A uh, few of them, I think, especially Clausen and Stefan with their shooting, they're easily eligible for 30-plus goal seasons. So that, that's going to make up half of your top six. Uh, Kyle Chizowski, Marcus Newen, new acquisition Josh Davies, Josh Zakreski, um, Diego Badazzoni, who was a 16-year-old last year, really impressive, but really caught his wings in the playoffs. He had a, a two-goal playoff game, and, and he kind of played with his best hockey down the stretch. So, like, those guys that will make the jump, this team could be very dangerous. Like, it could be one where, you know, may, maybe you almost go back to your, your high school days where if you're playing, uh, you know, competitive play, and I, I'm a big tennis guy, so I can go with tennis here, which maybe is not the right, <laughs> right crowd for this podcast, but... <laughs> You know, if you're if you're playing top singles and your number one singles isn't the best in the league, but your number three singles is like better than anyone else's number two singles, you're going to beat a lot of opponents because those that depth, that second, that third, that fourth line are starting to really put on some scoring. So it's kind of a similar situation with Portland where where they could really do some damage there. And there's so many names that I think this is kind of the year where last year it was like, well, I hope Zakreski can make that jump and be in the top six. Mm-hmm. Now it's almost like pressure is like off these 17 year olds, and they could be like, hey, here's your role. Obviously, you know, it might be a little less changing because those guys typically would like to see maybe 10 more minutes in their ice time. Maybe it's not going to go up considerably high for the forward crew, but they can look at it and say, you know what? We have a chance to win here. Let's play our game. I could step in when needed. I'll play on the penalty kill. I'll do my power play role. You just kind of play your roles and things go well. But it's interesting. Like, I honestly think there could be a ton of 20 goal scorers this year in Portland, which will be very unique, especially for the Winterhawks perspective, because they're kind of always used to having one, you know, one true leader up there who could pretty much be relied upon to, Hey, this guy's going to put up two points a game on average. And then everyone else kind of falls in line. And this one's going to be more of a, the scoring race will be fun. Put it that way. It it seems like from the outside looking in that you're going to have top two lines and there's probably not going to be a whole lot of difference between those two, you know, those six guys up there and you can maybe interchange them a bit, but even the drop off to the third line might not be all that significant either. And, could have three really good offensive lines that that's the best way of putting it i think i think plain and simple i know mike johnson hates using line numbers in terms sure. of one two it obviously kind of shows itself more on minutes but i i do think there's a validity to saying you're gonna have kind of a one b a one a one b two a two b like your fourth line might be kind of like a second line contributor they just aren't playing you know 17 minutes maybe they're only playing 10 minutes a game but right. they could still be very effective which is which is going to be key because that was kind of one thing that we saw when Portland played Kamloops last year is the Blazers would get up. They had that top end talent. Then pretty much it was like, cool, let's not tire them out. Like fourth lines playing every spot in rotation. So when it was, you know, it's like, all right, fourth line's turn. Let's get them out there. And then it, it just, it just tires teams out. So Portland kind of take that approach and, and win games by marathons. Then that might be a, a big key to their success. Uh, Nick Merrick is my guest, the voice of the Portland Winterhawks uh, here on the pipeline show. Just a couple questions left for you, Nick. And you kind of mentioned it before that, you know, that I said, is there a one storyline or one question mark with this team now that we're into the exhibition schedule and getting closer to the regular season? Uh, one thing that you're still sort of waiting to see, you have a question, you're still needing to get that answer? That's actually a great question, Guy. Um, this is probably the one part of, it's negative to me not being there in person for some of this camp play. Yeah. Um, I think it's just what players are going to make that next step. Like as much as I'm talking about how good the depth is and, and where Portland's lines are going to be, I, I, you could potentially look at last year's playoff run and everybody's top three lines. They're exactly back. 
because you just lost Robbie from DeLorme. So in theory, you could just slot in Josh Davies to his spot in the lineup and nothing changes. Um, so I think kind of the question there is you always expect somebody to make a little bit of a bump and maybe surprise you a little bit. I think there's some players who, from our scout size, have really, really stood out. I think Kyle McDonough is a 16-year-old, is one that I'm very curious to see how he kind of acclimates to his first year in the Western League. Um, I think Diego Butazzoni, I know I touched on him a little bit, him, Zakreski, and Nick Johnson are kind of three returning forwards as well. I want to see where they go because they got a lot of attention at our camp uh, just in terms of like the growth that they made personally, uh, both, both in the weight room, uh, so I guess literally and metaphorically. Uh, but, you know, those, those are the players that can kind of elevate your team. And all of a sudden, if they're making another step, it just takes a little less pressure off some of those 19- and 20-year-olds who are expected to score. And I'm going like, I expect James Stefan to get 25 goals, if not close to 30 or 40, right? But like, now, if you're looking down your, your, your locker room and you're saying, hey, Josh Sekresky could easily put in 25 goals. So, like, let me just go through my – play my game, let him play his game, and all of a sudden the team has success. So, I think the biggest question mark is who makes that jump. Um, and, and I guess the easy elephant in the room, because of all the camp guys, Portland's roster as of, you know, three hours ago was still sitting at about 32 players. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yeah, some of that's because of the protection of, you know, you're going to lose those 10 guys to camp. When do you get them back? and so on and so forth. But, you know, a few of them, like, you know, you're going to lose uh, uh, any of your 15 year olds who are signed. I think there's three of them still with Portland now. They're of course going to go back. So then you're talking 29, but like, which of those four or five ends up getting sent back to, you know, kind of their, their junior days, uh, who's back to playing under 18s. Um, so that's a little bit of a question too, from Portland side, because they have so many pieces. You obviously can't put them all on your roster. All right. Well, when you look at for expectations for from the fans' perspective, what should they expect this year? This is a team that finished third in the conference last year, second in the division. I think it would be unfair, even though Seattle is still looking good on paper, probably unfair yep. to expect them to have 111 points again, and, and same with Kamloops. Yep. Whereas Portland returning so many guys, from my perspective, I don't see Portland taking a big step back, if at all, and probably expected to be better. What should the fans expect from the Winterhawks this year? I would agree. I think the fans should expect another competitive team. I mean, this, this Winterhawks team doesn't win 40-plus games a season with, without kind of the, the right attitude in the locker room and, and good coaching, and they, they've done it six consecutive years, which is impressive. No other CHL team has more than three consecutive 40-win seasons. So I think, I think that kind of speaks volume to how well the Winterhawks have had success. But it's kind of, you know, as much as I say they're going to be competitive, they're going to be good they got to get over that hump. They got to learn how to win those big games. Now, like this is when your, your rookies and one of the younger teams in the league last year, which still feels baffling to me to think is now one of the oldest teams in the league. So this is where you kind of have to shine. I mean, in terms of uh, expectations for fans and where I think they're going to finish, I'll probably need to see a couple of games technically, but on paper, there is no reason this team couldn't be number one in the U S division. And I think the players fully know that. I think they, you know, they, they want to go after that, but it also kind of comes with a balance as much as it's in the locker room. You got to make sure you have the right mentality and you aren't thinking, Oh, we're just going to be guaranteed this championship. We don't need to worry about anything. Nobody's going to contend like Seattle, Wenatchee, Everett, Spokane, Tri-City, meh, they're going to fold over every time they like, that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you still got to do your job. Uh, but I, I do think on papers, just because of the pieces that are coming back and really the quality of humans in that locker room. Like sometimes you get groups that, yeah, there's, there's a wild egg or two kind of in there, and you're like, oh, the team didn't quite gel the way you'd hope. This team is very close. Like they love hanging out outside of the rink, and I think that closeness and that brotherhood that you see in these teams at this level is going to kind of help Portland early on. 
because then they're going to know what to expect. A lot of them have been in these situations before. Many of them have been through the last two or three playoff runs. Um, you know, so now they kind of have an expectation of what it takes to get a little bit deeper each time. So who knows? It's hard for me to put on, you know, I don't want to put pressure on, on your own team that you're calling games for, sure. but obviously there's a, a good chance that this team could do some, some serious damage out West. And I think there's a couple teams that I think I see myself on paper could contend in the West. And I would like to say that Portland's easily one of them. I would agree with that completely. And I guess I should ask you about Wenatchee too, and just how that changes the complexion of not just the U S division, but the Western conference. Oh, Wenatchee is easily the wild card in the room. Cause it was one where when you switch from East to West, you know, the scheduling gets changed. You had all that fiasco in the summer about trying to get teams, different schedules and mm-hmm. slot them in quick and, you know, in a way, this is the funny part. Portland last year got to see a Kamloops team without all their superstars because they were still at NHL camps. And Portland won that game 3 nothing. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, their season opener game is in Wenatchee for Wenatchee's first game. Are they going to have a Benson, a Geeky, a Savoy, those players? I, I don't know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on it. Right. I'd guess that they would still be at their NHL camp. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Like, I, Wenatchee, if they're, you know, if, if everyone's there and they get them for the full time, they're going to be very very good the question is do they want to um you know do they want to try to suffer through and and be without a savoy and a geeky when you get to the world junior time you're missing somebody for a month and you know it, it's kind of hard to make a push so it's they're they're so they're such a wild card there gee where yep. i think early on they're going to be sensational and it's going to you know it's going to really help that fan base too and kind of understanding the western hockey league because they've been such avid fans in the bchl for many years and the nahl before that um, but now it's just a different level of hockey and it's treated a little differently. So uh, it'll be kind of fun to see what they do. But uh, yeah, I, I think it, we'd be silly to say they, they wouldn't be contending towards the top of the U.S. division, especially with the roster they have. So a lot of it's going to depend on what they want to do from the, you know, the management perspective. If they want to try to get some of those pieces back, if they think they have a competitive enough team where they can go into the playoffs with the current roster and make a few changes. Obviously, they aren't too far off because they got some superstar talent. So uh, it, I think the next year or two is going to be very uh, fun to watch Wenatchee and their kind of growth as they, you know, get their feet wet in the WHL. Nick, this has been tremendous. I really appreciate your time. Uh, go back to uh, put your father hat on, back on and uh, get back to work there. <laughs> there you go. I probably got a poopy diaper to change upstairs, but appreciate chatting with you as always. And uh, now, now that we're getting closer to the season, I'm almost back in the office. I'm going to have your uh, pipeline show on kind of queued up here for the next, what, four hours of content to get me to get me back up to date with all these teams. So oh, I really fantastic. appreciate the work you're doing too. That's great, man. Good stuff. All right, friend. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Keith. That was Nick Merrick, the voice of the Portland Winterhawks and a brand new father. That's awesome news. We were supposed to do this, this interview like two weeks ago, but he notified me a few days ahead of time. And he's like, you know what, can we, is there any way we can reschedule this or do it way earlier just because, uh, you know, I'm going to be a new father. And we're like, hey, dude, no problem. We'll do it in the last week of these. So that's why this one was uh, pushed to the final week of the team-by-team previews. You knew we weren't going to skip Portland, though. Always an exciting team. Mike Johnston knows what he's doing when he's putting together and coaching a, a junior hockey program. That's not a question. And that fan base in Portland, it's terrific. You know, it's an arch rival of the Edmonton Oil Kings because they've met so many times in the WHL Finals, but tremendous respect for the organization and for their fan base. Really enjoyed uh, going out there in 2014, getting to travel with the Oil Kings and experiencing uh, Portland. It is a bizarre city. The residents of Portland know it and embrace it, and that makes it even cooler. We got more teams to get to, including the Swift Current Broncos, who are in the spotlight next 
Matt Barrett, new play-by-play voice of the Broncos and newcomer to the Western Hockey League. We'll get to know Matt and that team next here on the Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Up down to DeBrusque, gains a Tiger line, shoots, scores! Jake DeBrusque does it again in overtime! Hey, it's Jake DeBrusque of the Swift Current Broncos, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Oscar from Atchison loves Wilhawk beef jerky. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Heading to the lake. Three screaming kids in the back. Let's get ice cream, we said. Sour, soupy sundaes all over the van. But then I found Wilhawk beef jerky. Tender, seasoned pieces of meat smoked to perfection. Perfect for keeping little mouths busy. And best of all, no sloppy surprises. And I always make sure to bring a little extra to eat around the campfire. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. We're back on The Pipeline Show with another stop on the tour through the Western Hockey League, getting set for the upcoming season. Uh, we will be going to Swift Current in a second. Uh, reminder that The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com and they will ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. So if you're in Swift Current and you want some delicious beef jerky, uh, get in touch with Wilhawk, and they can uh, send it to you right to your door. Uh, as we uh, are joined now by the new play-by-play voice of the uh, Broncos, that would be Matt Barrett. Uh, Matt, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, Gee. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's awesome to be on. Well, I appreciate you being available like this. I know busy time of year, of course, as the season gets closer, and we're well into exhibition season now, but maybe even busier for you because uh, you're new to the team, new to the organization, new to the league. Uh, maybe we'll start with that. Uh, uh, what's your background, Matt? How'd you get to Swift? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you know, born and raised in, in Edmonton, grew up watching, you know, the Oilers and Oil Kings, the Oilers kind of through the decade of darkness. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I kind of started getting into broadcasting in university and um, took a job with the Melfort Mustangs and have done play-by-play there for the last six years. And, um, you know, now joining Swift Current, it's kind of a, a dream come true to, to be able to call games and, and be a part of a Western Hockey League club. And, um, just super excited and, and looking forward to kind of learning and meeting everybody and uh, really getting into into the season. Well, and you, you're joining a good team at the right time because I think people are expecting good mm-hmm. things from Swift Current. Now, I would say I thought they underachieved last year. They missed the playoffs, and I think I was picking them to be second in the division. So in my opinion, they fell short of expectations last year. So they, they, they uh, I think, uh, underachieved. And, uh, you know, I'm expecting something similar from this them this year in a good way. And I hope they can reach their potential. Uh, let's look at last year's, uh, the 302s that they lose from last year's team. Uh, and that would be two guys off the blue line in Sam McGinley and Mason Ward, as well as uh, for Drew Englott. Who else from last year's roster that ended the year, the regular season in Swift Current, they are not back this year, uh, Matt. Well, you mentioned those guys, and then obviously Josh Davies uh, up front is, uh, you know, obviously in that trade over to Portland where, uh, you know, we'll, we'll mention it, I'm sure, coming. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, it's it's still a very uh, fluid situation, I think, with, with this club in the sense of, um, you know, guys at camp are still battling for spots. And, you know, maybe there's guys from last year's club that, that, you know, don't crack it this year. And I think there's still a lot to be seen and a lot to be determined. Um, you know, obviously the 20 year old situation this year, 
um, is going to need to be sorted out. And, you know, that's for, for guys with, you know, you know, above me in the organization for sure. So right. um, there's still some fluidity with, uh, you know, the roster and how it might look coming into the season. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it's, it's those guys you mentioned. And, and then Josh Davies, the other way, those are kind of the, uh, uh, I guess, the ones that jump off the page to most people. All right, well, we'll get into the roster now, and you you mentioned the, the five twenty-year-olds, and we'll get to those guys because there's three up front and two on the blue line. But let's start in net, and a couple of returning guys, Reed Dick, draft pick of, of the Boston Bruins, and uh, Joey Rocha, who's uh, coming up to Edmonton to take part at Oilers camp. And uh, then the, I know there's going to be a couple of other guys around right now because those two vets are are not going to be around to start with. Uh, so you got Co- Cohen Tyson and uh, Bernie Weston, uh, but really, once the season gets going, it, it's Dick and Roca, right? Or Rocha. Yeah, that's what it you know, sounds like for sure, uh, at, at least to start. And those two are going to be key for this club. Um, Joey Rocha showed really well at the end of last year. You know, got that save percentage up over 900. And, you know, I think Reed, uh, you know, wants to take another big step forward in his development and, and be the guy and be that guy. But, you know, Joey right behind him is is obviously uh, more than capable if, if things uh, – you know, happen to turn a little bit, or if, you know, he needs to take the ball for a little while. And, you know, you look down, I think Bernie Weston is an 07 is, uh, you know, one of the really, really good young netminders that are probably going to be playing in this league as soon as this year. And, and, you know, into next year as well, I, I think it's, you know, fair to assume that Bernie Weston will probably see a few WHL games this year. And, um, you know, I think he's more than capable of doing so. Um, you know, if, if things, maybe he doesn't see games, if, you know, health is perfect for, for both net miners and then Cohen Tyson as well is just a huge, huge net miner. He's right around six, four. So, I mean, you know, there's options there in between the pipes for the Swift current Broncos and, um, you know, but it starts with, with Reed and, and Joey, uh, for most of the way. And those guys are going to have to be key, um, for this club. And then, and then the decor in front of them is going to have to be uh, good as well to make sure those numbers are, are looking good for, for guys like us looking at the score sheets. If it is a platoon system instead of, uh, you know, a clear cut number one guy and a, and a backup, that's, that's not a bad thing. That means you got two guys who are pushing each other and, and trying to force the other guy to, to be better to earn those minutes. And from an organization standpoint, mm-hmm. it's kind of what you want. Yeah, exactly. And I think this team has done extremely, extremely well over the last few years drafting and developing netminders and listing netminders for that matter as well. You look at even, you know, in the 08 class, uh, Aiden Eskett um, from the U.S. draft is is a guy who uh, looked really good in, in rookie camp this year. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the next couple of years as well. The, the goaltending pipeline for this club has been fantastic. Uh, and, you know, I think I think the, the between the pipes looks to be uh, pretty solid for this team uh, in years ahead. Nice use of pipeline, Matt. I appreciate that. Uh, that's <laughs> pipeline show approved for sure. All right, let's go to the uh, blue line. Uh, the <laughs> two options for, as 20-year-olds, uh, Adam McNutt and Ryan McCleary. McCleary acquired mm. by the team, so he's probably in a pretty good spot. Uh, but there's uh, other blue liners certainly of note here uh, as well. When you look at this this defensive group as a whole, what stands out to you? I mean, it, it's deep. Um, you know, Ryan McCleary has looked unbelievable in camp. Uh, it looks like he belongs for sure. And, you know, as a 20-year-old, you kind of expect him to. And then sure. you have to think Owen Pickering should, uh, you know, they hope he's going to be back, um, you know, first-round pick, right? Uh, and then you look at just uh, some of the young guys that could be uh, big pieces and Peyton Kettles and Josh Fluker, again, just taking more steps forward. Um, you know, this club is uh, 
well-versed on the blue line, you know, with those guys that I've mentioned, then Thomas Ziska out of Saskatoon, they picked up, you know, this summer, um, you know, looks like he could be a really solid defender too. And then taking steps forward with some of the, uh, you know, some of the younger guys or that are becoming older guys now, and like Sam Ward and Grayson Brzezinski, um, you know, you hope they take steps forward and um, turn into a really deep defense core where they can throw out any pairing at any given time and, and trust them against some of the other teams, you know, top six. Is there a guy that maybe came to camp without a lot of fanfare and maybe under the radar a bit who's who sort of made a name for himself, at least amongst the, the blue line group? Or is it the group that was expected to be uh, on the roster that is, is leading the pack? Well, I mean, if you want to mention Peyton Kettles, I mean, he's he's a guy that really has stood out. He's big and long and lanky and has a little bit of, uh, you know, snarl to him. But even like Grayson Brzezinski, looks like he's taken a big step forward. But, okay. you know, if you go a little younger, I mean, Jackson Doyle signed signed here out of camp and he's played some exhibition games and looks like he belongs. Um, so that's kind of nice to see for down the road um, for the Broncos, knowing that, you know, there are some more guys coming when, when you might lose a guy or two in the next coming years. So, um, you know, I think it's guys like that who have kind of stood out to me personally and looked like, hey, you know what, these guys have taken a step um, from what they might have been last year and and look like they are really shoring up this this decor to make it you know a little bit more helpful for for the guys between the pipes a lot of size McCleary's 6-3 Brzezinski's 6-3 you, you mentioned <laughs> uh Kettles even though he's young he's <laughs> almost 6-4 and Pickering's a big guy so this it's a lot of beef on the right. back end for Swift all right let's go to the uh, uh the forward group up front and uh again three 20 year old options just up front and Tyson LaVenture who was acquired in the offseason, um, Caleb Y. Rostock, who's a, a really solid player, and Braden Lewis as well. Uh, so there's some some tough decisions for the management to make. That, again, that's above <laughs> your pay grade, so I'm not going to ask you about, you know, who's the odd man out. I'll save you <laughs> from that. But, you know, you follow it up with, with Matthew Ward, who's been one of the team's best players for the last two or three seasons, can't get drafted. Uh, obviously because he's five mm-hmm. eight, but uh, he's playing for a contract at this point. And Josh Philman, who had such a strong year, heck, had a six goal game here in Edmonton at one point last year. There's lots to like about this forward group as well. Oh yeah, I mean this might be the most exciting um, piece of this team. You look at all just like the the forwards that are going to take steps forward, and um, you know you, you mentioned it. Josh Philman might score fifty in his sleep this year. Um, you know he's that good. Connor Vidston. Uh, just looks like he gets better and better every year as well. Like mm-hmm. the 04 group up front is, is excellent. Um, you know, and, and a lot of those 05s too are taking steps forward as you, you know, some may mention depth guys, but uh, you know, they're going to take steps forward too. And Brady Bernie looks as confident as ever. You mentioned Matt Ward at five, eight, Brady Bernie, five, eight, two. There's some small guys here with Uber skill and aren't afraid to go in the dirty areas as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of depth, and a lot of scoring ability and a lot of, you know, ability to play with anybody, I think, in this forward group. And I think a lot of this forward group might have a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth, just like the rest of this group, you know, after missing the playoffs basically by just a single point last year, um, you know, when you look at the grand scheme of things. It's unfair for me to ask you this, but I'm going to ask anyway, so sorry. But, you know, I, I you weren't around the team last year, so I don't really expect you to have an answer. But maybe having been there long enough, maybe you're kind of getting an impression. But <laughs> What went wrong last year? Why wasn't this team better? Why weren't they in the playoffs? Because they had the the talent on paper to be there. 
yeah, you know, it's tough to say. And I think when I talked to Devin Fraud, it's, hey, maybe we should have won a game back in, you know, October or November that, you know, we let slip away and all of a sudden things look different come the last game of the season against Medicine Hat. And it's, it's not a win and you're in type of situation, right? So um, I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, thinking every game matters, um, you know, every point matters, no matter if it's September 23rd or, or, you know, March 2nd or, or, you know, right at the end of the season. So it's, it's a matter of uh, understanding that points matter no matter what time of the year it's in. And you don't have to put yourself in that position, position, you know, come March where the end of the season and you're up one point on medicine hat and they come into town and, and, and beat you and, and they take that last playoff spot. So, you know, it's things like that, that I think you have to look at. And um, this team is, is definitely um, maybe a little angry at themselves knowing that they didn't get there last year. And that sour taste is still there. And I think they've got a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder. And I think, Devin Pratt said in an interview, uh, it might feel like a little bit of a boulder at times now. That's interesting. Well, a little extra motivation uh, for a team mm-hmm. never hurts. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Matt, uh, is there a question mark that you had about the team coming into training camp that you're still looking for an answer for? Or maybe something's developed here through exhibition as we get closer to the regular season? Well, I don't know if it's a hole that I've noticed at all, but uh, you look at, at at last year, and I think the goaltending, just uh, you know, seeing how Reed and Joey have performed in camp, um, you know, and just seeing how well they've played, and they look like they're confident and ready to be those guys again. I think if if you look outside this organization, I think that might be where people are looking and saying, um, you know, are these the guys? And personally, I think they are. Uh, just from what I've seen in camp, they they look excellent and. Um, you know, adding to the decor is just, uh, you know, makes the decor better. You can never have enough really good defensemen. Um, so, you know, those, those two are things that just look like they are um, answers that may have been, um, you know, questions that may have already been answered by, by you know, the, the management to make sure that, you know, they look like they can do this. Well, and I guess the, the biggest question would be from the fan base and what their expectations of this team should be <laughs> realistically. Uh, and, and again, I said I thought they'd be contending you know, at least pushing Red Deer for top of the division and maybe challenging Lethbridge and, and uh, the, the like for home ice advantage in the first round. It didn't happen that way. But is that at least a reasonable target for, mm-hmm. for Swift Current this season, in your opinion? Oh, 100%, absolutely. I mean, I think you look at the division or the conference, I guess, and it, it doesn't feel like there's a true, you know, dominant team like there had been in the past, you know, Edmonton a couple of years back. Um, right. So I think the division is anybody's game. And uh, I think Swift should be, you know, right at the top of the, the boards of people making predictions, because I think this team has the pieces to do it. And um, I think they're a little bit, uh, you know, ready to take that next step, you know, as some people may have expected last year, um, that, uh, you know, this is the time for them to go, go and take that next step and be one of the top couple teams in the conference. And, you know, hopefully get home ice advantage in, in round number one and, you know, make some noise come to WHL playoffs. Is this, uh, when you look at the, the conference as a whole, I mean, you take Winnipeg out of it and they were the top team in the conference last year, it really changes the complexion of, uh, of the, you know, the 11 teams that are, that are left. You only got to be better than three teams now to make the playoffs. So it gets a little <laughs> quote unquote, you know, air quotes easier to make the playoffs. Not that it's easy. But it, it changes things not having a Winnipeg. Right? Mm-hmm. It does a little bit for sure. And I mean, I think you look at the East Division, um, Moose Jaw, you know, we got to see them in Assiniboia just a couple nights ago. And um, they look like they're really good, too. And, you know, I think each team in the East Division thinks that they're going to take steps 
um, forward. And so does probably most of the teams in the central division too. I, I mean, it's kind of a, a whole bunch of teams that are battling for eight spots, but yeah, you're right. You only have to be better than three. And um, it's going to be really intriguing. I think throughout this season to just see who gets out of the gates hot mm-hmm. um, and who makes maybe a, a trade or two to take that, um, you know, to get that next step and get that extra piece to get over the hump. Um, maybe it's Swift Current that does that and, t- you know, makes that deal to get some big name to to really take them over over the hill and be the best team in the conference or or earn home ice advantage or something like that. It's, it's super intriguing. It's exciting to be, uh, you know, in this region, I think, right now. Matt, a little different uh, in the WHL than the SJHL. Uh, is there a trip that you have circled on your calendar <laughs> that you personally are looking forward to experiencing? Oh, just all of it, I think. I mean, the, going to BC this year, doing the long BC haul is going to be something new for me. I, <laughs> there weren't many uh, multiple overnight trips in the SJHL, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, being an Alberta kid, born and raised, going back home to Edmonton and, and Calgary and Lethbridge and places like that are just going to be a little bit more special. And, and going up to PA where I've watched so many games, it's just being able to go to all these different barns that I've, you know, thought about going to call games in before. It's... Uh, Pretty cool to think about uh, finally getting uh, a chance to do it. Right on. Matt, this was great. I really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the rest of exhibition season, and the regular season gets going right after that, and I'm sure we'll see you up here in Edmonton at some point this year. Sounds great. Yeah, I appreciate it. There's the new guy in Swift Current, Matt Barrett, with a uh, rundown of what to expect for the Swift Current Broncos this year. And, again, I said it two or three times during that conversation, I expected a lot more from Swift Current last season than they delivered. And my expectations, I think, are still pretty high for this team. And you have to wonder, if they falter again this year, if they if they underachieve this season, are there changes in Swift Current? Because there's enough talent there. They should have been better than they were last year. Uh, Reed Dick and Joey Rocha should give them quality net minded. They've got a big, bruising blue line led by Owen Pickering. And a bunch of forwards up front that can get the job done. For whatever reason, it just didn't come together for that team. If you're a Broncos fan and you have a thought on why things didn't work out last season, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. Three more teams on our list. They will be Wenatchee, Tri-City, and Prince Albert in that order. Next up, that means... The former Winnipeg Ice, now south of the border. The Wenatchee Wild in the spotlight next. Austin Drowdy is the play-by-play voice of the Wild, and he gives a terrific preview of what fans can expect from the newest franchise in the Western Hockey League. That's next, here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Now near side White, far side Krebs, wrist shot, scores! Peyton Krebs, a wrist shot from the far side. And gets by Bailey Birkin. Hey, it's Peyton Krebs from the Kootenai Ice, and this is the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, 
and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks, a lot, a whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Want to go, pretty boy? Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming as we continue getting set for the upcoming Western Hockey League season. We're going team by team, and in this segment, we're going to go to the newest location. Not necessarily newest franchise, but newest location. Uh, the Wenatchee Wild getting set to make their debut uh, officially here in a couple of weeks, and we'll uh, get down there and check in with play-by-play man Austin Drowdy in a second. Uh, but a reminder that the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it throughout Western Canada by going to their website at wilhawkbeefjerky.com. But, of course, I may have to provide Austin with some when he gets up here as uh, the Wenatchee Wild. Uh, we will be making the trip to Alberta at one point this year. And, Austin, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Uh, getting excited for the uh, for the upcoming season. It was a, a long summer for Oil Kings and Oil King fans, of course, finishing dead last. Uh, but I imagine the uh, the excitement level is starting to pick up in Wenatchee, too, for this uh, new experience with the Western Hockey League. I'll tell you what, when uh, when we announced the the uh, new team in uh, in mid June, it was uh, it was immediate excitement all across the uh, the community. We've upped our uh, season tickets uh, more than fifty percent over what they were last year. So wow, uh, the excitement down here uh, got uh, got started pretty quickly and. Now that we're getting closer, it's only uh, it's only picking up that much more. And I imagine a lot of it has to do with it's a different league. You go from the NAHL to the BCHL now to the WHL, but a lot of the personality and and employees personnel around the team, including yourself, are same the, the same. So that the the fans of the Wenatchee Wild from the BCHL will have some sort of connection at least to the new team. Absolutely, we've uh, we brought on some new staff in the uh, in the hockey ops department, but uh, most of our uh, front office staff, if not all of us, I think maybe other than uh, one exception, is uh, the same as uh, as last year with the with the BCHL team. So mm. our fans are uh, are working with the same people in our front office that uh, they've gotten to know and uh, that they've uh, been working with the whole time. Yeah, that community connection, I'm sure, goes a long way for sure. Uh, Austin, for our listeners, a lot of them won't know you unless they were big BCHL fans. Uh, so maybe a bit of background on yourself and uh, how you got the gig uh, in Wenatchee. I know you've been there for a while now, but uh, what's your background and uh, how much are you looking forward to this new new step? I'm uh, well. I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. This is actually going to be my fourth league in four years. Uh, jumped up. American Tier Three League to the uh, North American League in 2021, working with the team in North Iowa, and uh, came out here in October of last year after uh, our uh, play-by-play man Arch Ecker passed away in uh, mid-September. So I got the job early October, moved out here late October, and uh, got into the uh, got into the BCHL. Love the new uh, love the new circuit. Love getting to know the the new group, and uh, now I'm out here 
in the uh, in the Western Hockey League. Looking forward to seeing what uh, what the talent brings and uh, what the new level of hockey will bring and what it means to uh, to people here in Wenatchee. Are you ready for what the Western Hockey League uh, bus schedule is like? I know you you traveled throughout BC last year, but now you've got uh, a, a lot further to go in this league. We'll have a couple of road trips that are further, but uh, the travel for us is actually going to be pretty nice. The majority of our games will be in the U.S. division, so uh, the majority of our road trips will be uh, within five hours. Won't need a, won't even need a passport for them, but we're uh, we're going to have some pretty exciting road trips. We'll do two up to Alberta, so uh, we'll break that uh, central division swing up a little bit. But uh, yeah, through uh, through BC and a couple of trips to Alberta. We'll have some longer trips, and I love to travel with these guys. These guys are uh, the kids are always fun to uh, to be uh, to be a part of as uh, as we go on the road and get to know these guys uh, in that environment. Austin Drowdy, the uh, voice of the Wenatchee Wild, here on the Pipeline Show. Let's uh, let's get to know this team, and uh, maybe just a quick reminder for casual fans. Maybe maybe you got some holdover Winnipeg Ice fans who are going to be following the team, uh, and uh, just need a refresher on who's not back from last year's uh, playoff roster and. The 302s that everybody loses uh, for Winni- uh, Winnipeg. See, now you caught me already. For Wenatchee, those three guys would be Owen Peterson, Connor McLennan, and Ben Zlotti, uh, three guys who were instrumental in the success of that franchise last year and over the last few years. Uh, also not back, we know Carson Latimer is in Red Deer. We know Ty Nash is here in Edmonton now. Vlad Shillow did not return uh, to the organization. Is there anyone else that I didn't mention who is uh, also not coming back? Ah, uh, there might be uh, there might be a couple of guys from last year who uh, who make it onto the AHL or uh, even further this year. I think uh, uh, you mentioned uh, Carson Latimer uh, won't be back with us this year, and I think Carson. Uh, we've got a couple of guys who are actually headed, I think, to the uh, the Iowa Wild AAA team uh, in the AHL this year. So uh, we'll have a few guys that are not back this year from that uh, from that O three group, but. Uh, we've got uh, we got a lot of talented O3s who are still battling for those last three spots to stay on the team as the season gets going. That other Carson would be Carson Lambos, who uh, yep. will be with the Minnesota Wilds American Hockey League team. All right, well, let's get to know this club. And uh, the uh, most up-to-date roster might still be a little out of date because it still shows Ty Nash on your uh, preseason roster. And, of course, we know that he's here in Edmonton. But the goaltenders that are with the team right now, I, I'm assuming everybody's expecting it to be Daniel Hauser and Mason Bopit uh, to begin the year, but a little question mark because Bopit is an 3 and you can only have three of them, and I think there are still five or six with the team. Uh, what sort? What's the picture look like in net for Wenatchee? We'll have some uh, pretty talented guys in net. You mentioned Bopit and Hauser, and uh, Hauser is uh, he's already performed pretty well with his one appearance so far, uh, playing down in Everett on Sunday. Uh, Mason uh, was here for the game on Saturday, our home uh, preseason game against Tri-City. And uh, one of the other guys I keep an eye on is uh, Noah Stenviger, 2006. Uh, has, uh, hasn't gotten into a preseason game yet, but uh, I know uh, uh, he's. we're looking forward to seeing him on the ice. And then Brandon G got a chance to play in that first game against uh, Spokane uh, last week and did pretty well. So uh, we've got four uh, very talented goaltenders fighting for uh, for time and spots here. Now, Bopet will be going to uh, camp with the San Jose Sharks. Is Daniel Hauser, did he get an invite from anybody? He did not. He's uh, he's currently with us, and I would imagine he'll probably be with us for a while. All right. Well, pretty motivated guy there after uh, not getting drafted and still eligible for the, the next draft, so we'll see what happens with him. And Bopet, 
I don't know. He started his uh, WHL career in Spokane and never really got off the ground when he got to uh, Winnipeg. It still seemed to struggle there as well. But now as a guy going into his final year of eligibility, this is a big season for him. He's he's going to be playing for a contract with San Jose too. So some extra motivation there never hurts. I think so. And, uh, you know, sometimes the uh, sometimes the new scenery will have a big impact as well. I'm hoping for that. Uh, I'm hoping for him That'll be the uh, that'll be the case when he comes down here and uh, and uh, either gets settled in or uh, makes a move to somewhere else and uh, gets settled in there for his twenty year old year. Well, a lot of guys who were nineteen years old last year with uh, this team or with this franchise uh, now in, going into their twenty year old season. Uh, correct me again if I'm wrong it, with this, but three of them on the blue line in Graham Sward, Carter Prososki, and Wyatt Wilson are all three of them still with the team. Uh, Wyatt and uh, Graham have gone on to uh, NHL training camps. Graham, or, uh, Graham is actually drafted by Nashville, so he's up there. But uh, Carter Prasovsky, for the time being, is with us, and uh, he's uh, he's only gotten on the ice a little bit as far as preseason game action is concerned. But uh, he's looked pretty good on the blue line for us so far uh, in that department, too. All right. This, now, Sward was drafted in 2022, not signed yet as far as I know by Nashville, so uh, likely, unless he really uh, shows them something, uh, probably coming back, I would think. Uh, and that and that's going to make it a little bit, there's going to be some hard decisions, I think, for the organization to make. I know that's above your pay grade. I'm not going to ask you what they're going to do in that situation. <laughs> but to have that much veteran experience for a team like that, that's huge at the junior level. Uh, as I'm sure you've seen over the last few years, the, the veteran players on your team are really the, the go-to guys. Absolutely, and to have six of them to uh, to pick from, six good leaders in the uh, in the room to choose from, and only be able to keep three of them, it's uh, it's no doubt our coaching staff and uh, our GM Bliss uh, Littler, they're going to have some tough decisions to make, and uh, it's uh, the three guys who uh, finish the uh, the cuts with our team. Yeah, they'll be uh, they'll be well earned spots. That's for sure. Now, one of the uh, higher talented defensemen on your team is one of the youngest in Jonas Wu. We've already seen him in the league for a couple of years. He finished his rookie season, didn't play a ton during the regular season because he was so young, but was really good in the playoffs that year. And then last year, he took his game to a whole new level as well. And is one of the youngest guys, might be the youngest guy in your blue line, but he is so good, isn't he? Jonas, is uh, he is really good. And I know he's been working hard in the offseason to uh, to get even better. Uh, he's ready for uh, year two. And I know he's excited for uh, the move down to Wenatchee too. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that's great. It's, I mean, he's from Winnipeg. He played for Winnipeg. And then he, the franchise moves. You kind of wonder, at least I had had a bit of a question uh, about guys, what their response would be with the franchise moving like that. So some guys have really gravitated to it and embraced it almost. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and his, you know, he's got the, the family history in the WHL with uh, his dad and his brother, uh, Mm-hmm. Playing uh, his dad, I know, played over in Victoria back in the late '80s and early '90s. So uh, uh, he's uh, he's got some uh, some family history over here. I think uh, he and a lot of the guys are uh, are excited to make the move down here and uh, play in front of a uh, a new crop of fans down here. What's the defensive core? The rest of the the blue line look like uh, Austin. Can you describe some maybe a, an overall sense of what we should expect from this team? Well, we was, uh, we kind of looked down the roster here. One of the guys who really stands out to me is Ashton Cumby. He's got that uh, big six four frame. Yeah. Uh, probably might even still have another inch or two to grow in him. But uh, 2005 born player. I think he's got some uh, some upside on the on the defensive end for us as well. And uh, some younger guys uh, uh, just looking down the uh, the roster. 
here uh, with Carter Prasovsky, Graham Swar. These are some of the more experienced guys, but I think it's going to be experienced group on the uh, on the blue line when you look at uh, the uh, how things top out as far as uh, the ages go, and uh, they're going to have some good leadership to uh, to come along behind once those uh, once those decisions are made as to which guys uh, are going to be the three who make it through the 03 group all right well lots of sizzle on the blue line but the stake is all up front uh, that is where the uh, the excitement is and the marquee names uh there's a lot of big names still with this team assuming they all come back from nhl camp and that's not a uh, a guarantee but guys like matthew savoy and connor geeky and and zach benson they're leading the the charge here uh, for the wenatchee wild i know benson came to camp the other two did not correct uh, the other two, uh, they were here briefly, but uh, they were uh, they were the first to take off, and then Zach uh, departed for camp after our game over in Everett on Sunday. And so uh, we got a chance to see just a little bit of the other guys. We've gotten a chance to see quite a bit of uh, of Zach and everything that uh, we've heard about him, everything that we've said about him. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, really proven that the first uh, week or so that we've had him in the building, especially the way he played on uh, on Sunday getting the uh, the hat trick that he got over in Everett mm-hmm. in the in the right place to get to to uh, take advantage of loose pucks and really take off set up an odd man rush to finish our game with that overtime win and uh, and wrap up that hat trick so uh he's uh, he's making an impression already uh, now that he's now that he's gotten a chance to show his stuff a couple of games yeah Zach Benson's going to be uh, an instant crowd favorite there no question uh, and again I'm assuming he's coming back I, I don't know that he sticks in the NHL at, as a Freshly drafted player, but we'll we'll see. Uh, and uh, assuming as well, I think Matthew Savoy and Connor Geeky both come back. That gives you a pretty great uh, chunk of your top six if they don't all play together. Who else is leading the charge here for Wenatchee up front? Well, one of the guys uh, who comes into our team uh, who has shown some pretty good speed and some uh, pretty good skills so far is uh, Kenta Isogai, who helped the Youngstown Phantoms win the USHL title. Uh, back in May, you talk about a small world as far as the hockey world goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to work with his brother for a few years in North Iowa while he was playing Tier Three and Tier Two up there. So uh, getting a chance to to see Kenta play now is uh, is pretty neat. But he's uh, he's shown some really good wheels to uh, to start things off for us here uh, the last couple of weeks. And just uh, running down the roster a little bit, uh, uh, Lucas Sherbina's our other. Uh, draft pick out of the import draft uh, who played a little bit uh, in Spokane I believe last year uh, for the uh, for the Chiefs but a lot of young talent we'll talk about guys like uh, Miles Cooper Hayden Moore out of the 2006 class and uh, bringing in Dawson Seitz and uh, out of that 2005 class who is uh, hoping to put everything together this year uh, Briley Wood who's one of the 03s uh, trying to trying to land a spot on that uh on that opening night roster. So uh, a lot of talent on the offensive side of the puck, and I think there's a lot of younger talent here who's uh, who's got a chance to, to really make an impact, if not this year, then uh, definitely uh, over the next year or two. I want to go back to uh, Kenta Isogai for a second. The fact He's 19 years old, but he's been playing, as you said, in uh, Youngstown in the USHL for the last two or three years. I'm assuming the language barrier is not as big an issue for him as it is with a lot of imports when they come over and have to really make that that transition to North America. He, this guy's been here for a while, so it, I'm assuming it's a, a pretty smooth fit for him. It's uh, it seemed pretty smooth for him, and like you said, he's got the uh, the few years over in uh, over in the states. So 
Uh, the uh, the language barrier, as far as I've seen so far, just the last couple of weeks, has uh, hasn't been an issue. Okay, and Rogers Bukarts is the other import that your team picked up uh, out of Latvia. Uh, what sort of impression has he made on you so far? I know his older brother played in the Western Hockey League uh, probably six or seven years ago. Yeah, Rogers. Uh, I think I said Luca earlier. Rogers was our uh, other pick in the uh, in the import draft, and uh, and Bukarts is he's looked pretty good on the ice here as uh, as well. He's uh, he's gotten a little bit of playing time. I don't think anybody's played all three games of, uh, of preseason yet. Just trying to space everybody out and give everybody a look. But uh, Rogers has been uh, he's had uh, he's been on some top lines here so far, and uh, he's uh, he's stayed with the uh, the guys at the top of the heap so far. Has Dawson Seitz made an impression on you yet? We haven't had a chance to see Ty Nash in uh, in Oil Kings uh, colors just yet. We know him from his history in the league certainly, but has Dawson Seitz played a game yet for you? Uh, Dawson played one game over in Everett for us on Sunday, so we've gotten a chance to see him uh, a little bit. But uh, certainly, he's got a lot more, uh, a lot more to show, and a lot more chances to show what he's got. All right, Austin, just a couple more questions for you. I- I'm wondering, coming into camp, if there was something about the team that you were you were curious about how it's going to play out, but you needed training camp and and the exhibition schedule to to see how it all comes together. Has a question like that been answered for you, or or is there something that you're still waiting to see? What happens here uh, once the regular season gets going? I I think it's going to come down to uh, how things look once the regular season gets going and uh, what the uh, what the final makeup of the team is. I mean, there's there's a lot of talent on the team battling for spots, but uh, it's uh, it's going to be hard to say exactly what the uh, what the makeup, what the hallmark of this team is going to be uh, until those final uh, that final rosters pick for opening night uh, coming up next week. Well, and I know I asked list when he was on in the summer when he was on this show you know what the what the plan is for the season is this a team that is going to go for it because the roster's pretty solid as it is or you're looking ahead after this year uh, the uh, draft pick uh, cupboard's pretty bare do you start moving stuff and he wasn't uh, committed either way at least uh, publicly in, in that direction but I wonder from a fan's perspective what should they expect from this team is this a a club that you think will be going for it this year, or should they maybe temper expectations a bit uh, as uh, it sort of unfolds? Well, I uh, I think those decisions as far as uh, player movement still have to be made, and those will be made uh, over the next few months. But I think the uh, the fans can expect I think the fans can expect the very best of uh, of the guys that are here. Uh, whatever guys are in our room from night to night. They're uh, they're going to be going for it and putting their best foot uh, forward and sure. putting their best game on the ice if they can and we'll uh, we'll see where things fall out at the uh, at the end of the season but uh, I think this is going to be a talented group that at least uh, right now with uh, with 16 guys back from uh, last year's playoff roster and I think uh, most of them will will uh, stick around past that uh, age limit that we still got to figure out once those final decisions are made as to which of the uh, which guys are on that uh, opening night roster? Whoever's out there on the ice, they're uh, they're going to give us the best they got. Yeah, no question. And uh, I mean, this was uh, the first place team in the entire league last year, and so many returning guys. It would be hard to imagine this team uh, not being in the playoffs uh, in the Western Conference. So, should be an exciting year for uh, Wenatchee and for the fans of the new Wenatchee Wild. Austin, really appreciate your time. Looking forward to meeting you and uh, seeing the team. When you make your trek up to Edmonton this season, looking forward to it. We'll probably see you. Uh, I think late February is when we make the trip up, so uh, we'll definitely catch up with you in person then. 
Austin Drowdy, the voice of the Wenatchee Wild in the Western Hockey League as uh, they get set to kick off their debut season in the dub. Potentially could be a really, really good one. And I really think it depends on the direction that the organization wants to go. Are they looking beyond this year or is it all about establishing yourself this season, getting the, the crowd excited, the home fan base Get them on board early because you're going to have a, if you want to, you could have a pretty successful team this year. It's beyond this year where it gets a little tricky. So we'll see which direction uh, Wenatchee decides to go. We've got two more teams to look at on this week's episode. The last two teams of the 22 to preview before the coming season. And our next stop is with the Tri-City Americans in Kennewick, Washington. So we're staying in state. Won't be a play-by-play guy this time because that position is a little in flux right now for the Americans. So General Manager Bob Torrey has volunteered to be our guide to the Tri-City Americans. That's next, here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Michael Rasmussen of the Tri-City Americans. Collected by Elgison, thrown away Sandu. Slot Rasmussen, he scores! A natural hat-trick in the first American hat-trick in three years. How about that? And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. I race through the crowded stadium with sweat. Pouring a glass of crisp, cold beer refreshes my webpage, but the computer crashes into another car who instinctively grabs the release on my chute and hits the bedside alarm. Apparently, it's time to wake up. Ignite imagination. Advertising on the Pipeline Show works. Who listens to the Pipeline Show? People like you. Share the story of your business with targeted customers. Contact Guy directly at Guy at thepipelineshow.com. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we're going to continue with the team by team previews for the upcoming WHL season. In fact, we're going to stick in the U.S. division as we go from Wenatchee to Tri City. And uh, I'm going to be joined in a moment by the general manager of the Tri City Americans. But a quick reminder Wilhock Beef Jerky, it's Alberta's best beef jerky. Proud sponsors here of the Pipeline Show, and you want to get yourself some delicious jerky, you can get it anywhere in Western Canada uh, by going to their website. That's wilhawkbeefjerky.com. And uh, Bob Torrey, the GM of the Tri-City Americans, joins me next. And when you come up here, Bob, I might have to hand-deliver you some beef jerky because you can't get it in (laughs) Tri-City. You bet. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, thanks for being available and coming back uh, onto the show. Exciting time, right? I mean, we're uh, 10 days or so away from the start of the of the regular season, everybody is equal in the standings and uh, nothing but optimism right now. Oh, you bet. It's uh, it's like a new school year and for school teachers, you know, you come back, everybody starts fresh. Uh, you see that a lot of growth from some of the players that were here the year before and kids change a lot at this age between 16 and 20. So there's, yeah. you know, that's why you see guys emerge from three goal scorers to 20 goal scorers in our league over over time. And some guys you draft at their 5'9", 5'10", they, by the time they leave the WHL, they're 6'4", and uh, they've put on 40 pounds. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's uh, get to know your team this year, but first reflect on who's not back from uh, the team we saw in the playoffs. And, of course, everybody loses their, their uh, overage players. For this year, it was the O2s. And uh, with Tri-City, they were all forwards. Uh Ethan Ernst, Reese Belton, and, of course, uh, Jalen Leipen, who we got to know quite well here in Edmonton. So three guys all up front uh, that you uh, you lose from last year's team. Anybody else from what we saw in the playoffs for the Americans who is not expected to return this year? 
Well, it's a possibility that Adam Mahara and Thomas Chukana could not be back. They're both going to NHL camps and then probably on to American League camps. And they also have an option to possibly play in Europe, or, but they could also be sent back. Uh, we do have their IHF transfers uh, for their rights. So uh, if the NHL team decides to send them back, whether because they signed them and they think they need more development or because they don't sign them, uh, then the players would have a choice to either come back here or, or possibly look at Europe. Uh, it would put us in a situation where we'd have extra Europeans, which would give us four and, and extra overages. But uh, we'll deal with that problem. It would be a good problem to have because they're both quality kids and quality players. Absolutely. And obviously, Annette, uh, Suhanek's been terrific for you the last few years. I'm trying to think of a year. Uh, listen, 20-year-old Euros in the WHL, they're not – it's not a rarity. It's not common, but I can't remember a time when there were two of them on a single team. Can you ever think of when that is? Occurred? Yeah, I don't think two. There's been many times when there's been one, but I yeah. don't think there's ever been two. All right, so we'll see what happens here with with both of those uh, players. Uh, with the rest of the goaltenders who are in camp, I know you've played two or three exhibition games already. Uh, what's your goaltending situation look like, uh, assuming for a second Suhanek doesn't come back? Well, Nick Avakan, uh, who was a backup last year, he's 19, he's back. And Lucas Mateka, who's an 18-year-old from Czechia, is here. He's off to Detroit's camp. He left yesterday. He played uh, in Czechia last year. And we have young Eric Call, who played in Weyburn last year, a 17-year-old. So we got the three three guys in camp, and obviously in the end, two will emerge. And, you know, we'll probably go with veteran goaltending this year, but you never know. Uh, you like to have a healthy competition. Yeah, you'll, well, you want guys pushing each other for that, the ice time, the starting position. That's It's a good, healthy competition, isn't it? Yeah, and Mateka is a quality goaltender. Uh, he's a foot three guy, takes up a lot of nets, quick, agile, and uh, obviously caught the attention of the Detroit Red Wings to bring him to camp. A lot of people thought he would have been drafted last year, but he'll have that opportunity this season. Another big goaltender, and also from Czechia, and all four guys who were potentially in the mix for you this year. They're all from the Czech or Czechy, I should say. Uh, yeah. When you, when you've had success going to the well from one country, is it easy to keep going back? And I imagine it's about fostering a relationship with their agents and, and things in that area. Yeah. A little bit of a gears for us is a little bit of agents. Some of it's scouting. I had a chance to see these players in Colorado Springs and then some of them in Langley at the U 17, but also we have a number of former alumni, uh, Czech players that have played for us that are doing some scouting for us in Europe. So, you know, we get a lot of good intel on players early and, and can talk to the players and their families before the agents even are involved. So that helps a lot. And, and uh, you know, with the Russian players not being involved, we've had some very good Russians over the past as well. But uh, right now the trend seems to be uh, uh, Slovakia and Czechoslovakia, but you're seeing more kids. We've, you know, Yusuf Alamaki was from Finland and he was excellent with us. And, right. We've had some Swedes in the past, but generally I think you see in the CHL, it's generally Czechia and Slovakia. Looking at to your uh, blue line, I know uh, you have some options with uh, overage players there as well, the O3 guys and, and Alex Seraglio, is that how I pronounce it? And uh, Ethan yes. Peters as well. Uh, both of those guys I think have played the preseason games for you. So uh, you got some veteran leadership and some uh, marquee names behind them as well. How do you feel about your blue line? Yeah, it's going to be young, although Peters and Seraglio are, are excellent players. You know, we got to decide, do we go with two overage forwards and one overage D or two overage D and one overage forward? So that's a decision we still have to make. But uh, they provide us a good core, and obviously Lucas Dragasivic is uh, 
an elite uh, defender, an offensive defender at the, in the WHL. So he'll come back, and we got some excitement coming in from behind there as well. I know when it came to Dragasevic coming up to the draft, the scouts, a lot of them were saying, listen, you can't ignore those offensive numbers, but there's a lot of work to do when it comes to the defensive side of the game for him. Would you agree with that, or do you see it a little differently? Because you get to see him as much or more than anybody else. Yeah, I would disagree. He's a big, strong guy. He's, people knock his skating. His skating's excellent. Uh, the way he's poised with the puck and be able to see open lanes and make that first pass. He's a very focused kid, very strong. Uh, you know, he's just an elite player. To put up those type of numbers as a 17-year-old defenseman in the Western Hockey League is you don't see that very often, and, and uh, we're we're pleased to have him on our team. Uh, I imagine there are guys who are maybe third pairing or not everyday players for you last year who get a bigger opportunity, and you're looking to see them take another step in their development. Anyone come to mind like that? Well, Carter Savage, and then Merrick Arpin, who's a young guy that got hurt last year. He's hurt again this year out of training camp. Mm-hmm. But we also have young Jackson Smith, who was second overall pick in the WHO Prospects draft who uh, is playing way over his age and, you know, potentially could be a top four D-man for us at 16. He's six foot three and a wonderful skater and uh, he's going to develop into a real special player. One thing I noticed when I see the just the roster page for your defensive core, they're all giants. There's no one under 6'1". Uh, I'm assuming that's by design. A little bit, but obviously we've had some good smaller players in the past with Dryden Dow and and Jared Toll and, and different guys along the way. But obviously uh, skill and skating and compete level come first. But if you're big and you could got, got those attributes, it's even that much better. Is there something I know I was asking another team about this as well, and they kind of said, well, you look at what the NHL is doing right now, and it's, it's back to being big on the blue line. Does that transition, does that carry over to the junior level, or is it a little bit different? Well, it does if they can skate. And a lot of those bigger kids at a younger age maybe – takes them a little while to get their legs under them, and some of them don't develop till they're 18. But hmm. certainly if you're a good skater and, and you have size, it's a huge advantage because of your mobility and reach and be able, being able to contain. But I think, uh, you know, oftentimes we're a, a mere image of the NHL, but some teams have had some success with smaller players, and there's always small players who have a high compete level that succeed at a very high level in our league. All right, Bob, let's go to your forward group. And I know you have guys away at NHL camps now, but uh, Greenway, Mahura, Parker Bell, they're all at NHL camps. They're all eligible to come back if you get them all back. Um, that's a, I mean, it's a good problem to have because they're all 03s as well, but uh, that's a lot of leadership up front as well. What do you, when you look at your overall group, what do those three guys mean to your team and, and for your forward group especially? Well, Bell and Greenway, they're both 30-goal scorers in the league, and they play a big game. Parker's 6'5", now Tyson's 6'2". They're big guys. Couple that with Jake Sloan, who's at the Oilers camp, uh, who's 19. He's 6'4", right. center. Um, you know, they bring a lot of leadership to us because they've been with us right through their whole career. But they also bring a lot of skill and, and work ethic and set the tone for our team. So um, they're all very important. And like I said, we've got some tough decisions on the overages. But we're pretty happy up front. We were able to add uh, Brandon Wynott from Calgary and Jake Goodell in the summer. That gives us more depth up front. So we're really deep up front. If, if anything, we you know we might want to add a uh, veteran D-man down the road. Okay. And I know similar question when I asked with the blue line, guys who are further down the depth chart a year ago, uh, now get an opportunity potentially to step up and, and take on more responsibility. Who are you looking at in that department? Well, obviously, Deegan McMillan had 18 goals last year as a 17-year-old. He's looked awesome in camp. Um 
he played a big role last year on a line with Jordan Gavin and Jake Sloan, so mm-hmm. his role only increased. And Jordan Gavin was a 60-point scorer as a 16-year-old last year. Certainly, we we can expect him to continue. He's a late birth date. He doesn't draft till next year. And and uh, we've got Max Curran from Slovakia over here. He's a big six-foot-three center that skates very well. Uh, played on the Ivan Holinka team for Czech. He's looked very, very good in camp. And Cash Cook out of the Edge Academy is a 16-year-old. Uh, I guess you'd compare him to a Keith Kachuk type of player that uh, okay. brings it all brings it all every night. So even though he's 16, he's going to move up the lineup quickly. One of those pain-in-the-ass type of players to play against. Gets under the opposition skin, but can can do it offensively too? Absolutely. All right. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Jordan Gavin because I, I'm not sure how many ca- casual hockey fans that don't follow the WHL or your team specifically are really aware of this guy yet. And he had a fantastic uh, season for you last year. And as you mentioned, not draft eligible until the 2025 NHL draft. Give us a, a bit of a scouting report on Jordan Gavin. Well, very quiet player. He's uh, high, high hockey IQ. His passes are unbelievable. He sees the open lanes. Uh, he's able to delay and, and freeze a defenseman and get a puck through tight spots to his teammates. He's got a tremendous release on his shot. I'd like to see him shoot the puck more, actually probably could add another 10, 15 goals to his totals. But um, just a great team player. He's adjusted well, learning the defensive side of the game. And like I said, those are incredible numbers for a guy who was the youngest guy in the league last year. Basically, he was 15-year-old till Christmas. So, um, you know, I, we, we've seen growth in him. He's stronger. His skating's improved. I think he's going to have just another terrific year. When you say you want him to shoot more, is that a challenge for for you and for head coach Stu Barnes to – to get a guy, maybe it's his natural instinct to pass the puck more, but you want him to to use that shot because you see that how the potential of it. Is it tough to get a guy like that to to flip that switch and to be a little bit more? I don't know if selfish is the right word, but trust his shot. When they're young, gee, they like to be good teammates first, right? And sometimes overpass the puck at times. And right. he's always looking for the right play and, and those types of things. But I think by shooting more, he's going to draw some more attention to himself, open up his teammates a little more too. So. Um, you know, it's just a f- trying to find that balance. Like I said, he's got a tremendous shot and a quick release, so there's times when he can get that off, and, and uh, you know, it just changes the dynamics of our rush. We think we're going to be very, very deep up front and can roll three or four lines consistently through the season, so um, that helps all these guys keep their, their pace up and the level of play at a high level. Well, I know uh, I've been asking all the play-by-play guys when they've been on if heading into training camp and, and now into the exhibition season and as, clo- as the regular season gets closer, was there a question or two they had that they were looking to see how it would be answered during training camp or the exhibition season? I imagine for you, well, part of it has to be what your roster actually going to look like, who's going to be available to you and, and what you do from there. But was there uh, other questions that you're wondering uh, that you've got an answer to so far? Well, certainly uh, we want to improve our depth, and that's why we had the opportunity to pick up Brandon Wynott, who actually won our fitness award, off-season fitness conditioning award from Calgary. And then, you know, it was a surprise to me that Jake Goodell was available from Spokane. And Mm. I think I've only made one trade with Spokane over the years, but we were able to do that trade quickly. And um, both these guys are big forwards that are strong and physical and both shoot the puck extremely well. So that was really added to our depth up front. And then, you know, we knew Jackson Smith was going to be an elite player in this league. Maybe we didn't expect him to, to emerge as quickly as he has. He's going to be a, a top four D- D-man and eat up a lot of minutes right off the get-go. 
Uh, and lastly, from a fan's perspective, I always ask, the, the, you know, what's reasonable expectations that the fans should have for this team? Now, your club finished fifth in the conference last year. Looks on paper and, and by listening to you, I don't think you're taking a step back. So where do you, uh, what's the, the objective? I'm sure it's to win a WHL championship every year, but it's not always realistic to expect that. Uh, where do you set that bar for success this year? Well, certainly the first step is to make the playoffs no different than the NHL. And then after that, all bets are off because you need to play well. You need to be healthy. You need to get a few bounces. We felt we should have had home ice advantage last year. We, you know, we thought we lost that during the World Junior when when uh, Mature and Sukanik were away. We lost some points where Prince George gained home ice advantage on us. And, mm. you know, we thought we had the opportunity to beat Prince George. Uh, they beat us in a six-game series. I think three of the games went into overtime. Yeah. Uh, we certainly expect to be a playoff team. And then once you're in the playoffs, then... From there, your, your focus is to continue to start winning round after round. So uh, you got to take one step at a time, and, and it starts with making the playoffs, and, and then then continuing to get, continue to have your team improve so that you're playing your best hockey at the end of the year. Gets a little tougher in the Western Conference now as uh, the Winnipeg Ice relocate to Wenatchee. I wonder what it does from a, a travel perspective. You got to love that having another team in the U.S. division. Uh, but it suddenly gets a little harder to make the playoffs in the in the West. Uh, what what difference? How does that change the complexion having Wenatchee in town or in the in the division? Yeah, I think it's great for a couple of reasons. One, it does reduce travel. Two, it brings another rival to everybody. Uh, we lose one game against Spokane, but we also lose a game with Portland, Everett, and Seattle. Um, it's great for the fans to see different teams more often. I think. With the way our conferences are designed, where we only go every second year, mm-hmm. sometimes we get saturated with too many games against the same team. So, I think that's a that's a healthy thing for the, our fan base, uh, healthy for the league as well. The U.S. Division obviously growing and being strong, and now it means that three teams on this side are out of the playoffs instead of only two, and three on the other side instead of four. But it does balance things off when it comes to the Bantam Draft instead of. Our division always picking, the, if you're in the playoffs, the lowest you could pick was seven. So it balances those things off. And, it, you know, obviously you got to play well to get in the playoffs. you got to make sure that uh, it's a little bit tougher job. Uh, Wenatchee's going to have a good team. they got some very good players coming back from the Winnipeg Ice. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see what their plan of attack is moving forward. Uh, obviously they're going to want to create some excitement early, and we'll see what they what they think, how they're going to, set up their team for the future but uh, Portland has a good team obviously Seattle still has good players coming back uh, Everett has a good program um, Spokane always has a good team and is improving so it'll be I think you know, great, a great division yeah it's going to be an excellent division it's going to be hard to get out of the division let alone the conference but Tri-City will be in the mix it's going to be a fun season uh, to watch uh, the Americans play uh, Bob I really appreciate your time thanks for doing this uh, enjoy the year and good luck great thank you very much anytime Geek. That's Bob Torrey, general manager of the Tri-City Americans, uh, filling in and being our guide to the Americans for this coming season. And I am guilty of underrating or underestimating uh, Tri-City last year. Not going to do that again. I think this is easily a playoff team. And I think one that, I think that U.S. division is going to be really tough, really tight. I think it's better and stronger and deeper than the B.C. division. I think off the top of my head, I, I could see... Five teams from the U.S. division making it, and only three from the B.C. division. But they play each other so often that they're going to beat each other up, points-wise, in the standings. But I still think Tri-City is a good group. 
big question marks, I think, with the who's going to return to them as uh, 20-year-olds, but they got really great options. So, you know, with five or six eligible guys to come back, whoever the three are, they're all going to be quality. And a couple of those that don't come back might pop up elsewhere in the Western Hockey League because they're that good. So that's a team to watch. And with that, we have one more team to get to to complete the run through the Western Hockey League, and that is going to take us to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. And the new play-by-play voice of the Raiders is Nolan Kowal. And he joins me to wrap up this episode of the Pipeline Show next. Minnesota selects as the first pick in the 1988 entry draft. From Prince Albert, Mike Medano. Hey, this is former Prince Albert Raider Mike Medano, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Go Raiders, go! Go Raiders, go! The green, white, and gold theme is Go Raiders, go! We take on the roughest and welcome the toughest, but the song in Prince Albert is Go Raiders, go! Sarah from Buford loves Wilhawk beef jerky. My husband is an expressive fan, prone to waving his arms about, which is unfortunate for those next to him. And the snacks. Do you know how hard it is to get salsa out of carpet? It was a miracle when I found Wilhawk beef jerky. No more crushed chips strewn about or toppled dips. A fistful of jerky can be waved about with little mess to clean up later. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I got a bad feeling about this. Final segment to go on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show as we wrap up the team by team previews for the Western Hockey League in the coming season. This will be the 22nd team that we featured over the last four weeks. We're going to be going up to Prince Albert, but a real quick reminder the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. It's the best beef jerky you've ever had. And if you haven't had it, Go to their website, wilhockbeefjerky.com, and they will ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. That's wilhockbeefjerky.com. All right, I mentioned the, uh, the Prince Albert Raiders, the final team in the spotlight, and a new play-by-play voice uh, for the Raiders is Nolan Kowal. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing uh, doing quite well, Guy. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you reaching out. Well, I appreciate you making time like this. I know it's busy with the uh, exhibition season underway, and Regular season getting closer, uh, but we got to get this in before the start of the season. So uh, let's get right to it. And uh, we always start these off. Uh, I'll mention the the players who were O2 birthdays who played at some point last year for PA. Obviously not back with the team because they've aged out. That would be forwards Keaton Sorensen, Evan Herman, and on the back end Trevor Thurston and Landon Kozier. Uh, all of them have graduated from the team. I also know Tycon Chaika, the starting netminder, won't be back, and of of course. Uh, some of the other players that didn't even finish the season in PA, guys like Carson Latimer and Vlad Shillow and and uh, uh, Nolan Allen, all of those guys briefly were in Prince Albert last season. Well, let's get to know this year's roster, and we'll start in net. Big addition for Prince Albert, making that trade with the Red Deer Rebels, acquiring Chase Coward right before camp started. How's he look? Yeah, that's a big one for sure. Uh, he, uh, he He's looked good. He, uh, he played in the uh, most recent... Uh, preseason game for the uh, for the Raiders. It was, I guess, on Saturday night here in Prince Albert at the Art Hauser Center. He played the whole game, and I thought he was real sharp, especially in the first period. The uh, you know the Raiders were shorthanded for a good chunk of the first period. He kind of you know made three or four really good saves to keep the game scoreless. Uh, maybe a couple goals he would want back in the second period, but 
I thought he was real solid. Obviously, he's an experienced guy in the Western League with his time spent in, in Red Deer. Uh, I believe he's already left for Minnesota Wild Camp. I know I was chatting with him at the Raiders Golf Tournament a couple weeks back, and he uh, he told me how excited he was to go to to go to the Wild Camp, and obviously that'll be a great experience for him. But I, I think just you know bringing in Coward really just shows shores up that that uh, that goaltending position for the Raiders. And you know whether he starts the majority of the games this year, well, that'll remains to be seen. But he gives them uh, a lot of experience between the pipes and uh he looked good in the one game i've seen of him so far well it's a feel-good story because he missed almost the entirety of last season because he had double hip surgery and then he was able to get into a game or two at the end of the year for the rebels and that was great uh so hopefully he's able to stay 100 percent healthy he's a good goaltender and if he can be healthy the whole year that would be terrific for him and for the team behind coward is there a bit of a competition for that number two spot uh i think it's hard to uh I think Max Hildebrand would have the would have the inside track on it, just you know, based on his uh, his experience. But I know Cooper Anderson did play a, a preseason game as well, uh, the first preseason game that was uh, in up in Big River First Nation, also against the Blades, mm-hmm. and I believe he played the entire sixty minutes of that game as well. He looked pretty good. That was a low scoring game, a two one win for the uh, for the Raiders. After you know, I think Hildebrand would have the inside track uh, on that backup position, as I've uh, based on w- from what I've heard. But um, like I say, Cooper Anderson, you know, the coaches were curious in, in what he brings to the table, and they gave him the start in that first game, and he looked good. So um, that's a, that's something I haven't asked Jeff Druitt directly, but in terms of how big that competition is. But if I were to say right now, it would be Hildebrand who who would likely fill that backup role and. And the other thing too, I you know I don't think we should assume that Coward is going to be the the bona fide starter either. Uh, really? You know, I know some other people I've talked to around the team. Uh, you know, similar to how it was last year, it's kind of a one A one B scenario where they might go with the hot hand. I, I would I would lean towards Coward, but I think it could be you know a, a situation where they're splitting and it's the 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 starts and the games played could be a little closer than some people think. All right, interesting. We'll watch for that uh, once the regular season gets going. Uh, the blue line core for uh, Prince Albert, no O3s, at least uh, currently sitting on the roster. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but other than Coward, I think there is only one O3 with the team, that being Sloan Stanek up front. So who knows? Another one could shake loose from another team somewhere around the league, and PA is just sitting there waiting for one. The blue line that is there, who leads the way for this team, do you think, defensively, in terms of veteran experience and leadership and just the guy that kind of leads the charge? Yeah, one guy that caught my eye in uh, in camp uh, was uh, was Eric Johnston. I thought he was right from the day one of training camp. He was, uh, you know, just seemed very in control. Uh, you know, he's got a high hockey IQ in all the scrimmages I watched. He, you know, just slowed the game right down, made all the right reads. And so Eric Johnston was a guy who caught my eye, and I think he could be a real anchor for them uh, on the back end. Uh, obviously, Terrell Goldsmith is the big name back there. He's attending camp, I believe, with the Arizona Coyotes this month. So, yeah. you know, assuming he's back from camp, he's going to be a, a, you know, one of the top top guys on this back end. Uh, another guy that I'll throw a name at you is just uh, Seth Tansom, who I had a chance to golf with um, at uh, the Raiders tournament a couple of weeks. And he's a BC kid. I believe he's an 06. And uh, he's a guy that uh, is very offensive-minded. Very good hockey as well, and uh, he's a guy that can be power, assuming 
he makes the team. Uh, he's uh, mentioned they had it shooting a little bit smaller, but he's well. So those are a few guys that I'm watching on on the back end for sure. All right, we heard most of that answer a little bit with Seth Tansom there got lost in the, in the cell coverage uh, in Prince Albert, but that's okay. We can move on to the uh, the forward group, and there's lots of young, really high skilled talent with this team. It's young though, and and fans will have to be, be a little bit patient for them. But leading the way right now is still Sloan Stanek. And I know I've seen some early predictions that think this could be one of the top scorers in the entire league. You need a guy who's probably not going to play at the World Juniors, and now he's too old for that. Uh, so this this is the type of player that fits the bill. High expectations for Sloan Stanek. Absolutely, uh, there are. And uh, Sloan Stanek and obviously Ryder Ritchie, who was the, uh, the WHL Rookie of the Year last year. And so... Stanek and Richie just in the last preseason game here on Saturday, they were on the top line and they were dangerous every time they were on the ice, uh, you know, very offensive minded. And, you know, you look, look at the roster right now. Those are really two, you know, the top scoring threats on this team. Um, you know, another guy that stood out was Aiden Oring. I thought he was very, very good uh, on, uh, on Saturday, particularly in the penalty kill. Uh, Niall Crocker, I think, could have a breakout year. He's a big body in front, six foot four. He had a couple goals in that game. And then, you know, obviously, you go down the list, the other two guys that you know, have been an intriguing storyline in camp, the two import picks from this uh, most recent draft, and that's uh, Matej Kubiesa and Christoph Matches uh, from Czechia and Poland, respectively. So those two guys, I know speaking with Curtis Hunt, the GM, earlier in the offseason, he expected you know, both those players to make the team. And, and I know Matches is a little older, but Kubiesa as well. I mean, those are two uh, big bodies. Uh, you know, Kubiesa's about, well, they're they're listed at 5'11", but I think that's a little bit, uh, I think that maybe they look a little bit bigger than that on the ice, that's for sure. And they, they play, especially Kubiesa, he's got a physical aspect to his game that I think the fans are really going to enjoy. So those two players are, you know, very intriguing as well, those two imports when you look at this forward group. Uh, I'm guessing we should expect uh, Luke Mraz to make, well, much more of an impact this year than last year. He only played two games last year, but he's a high draft pick for the uh, the Raiders team. Uh, their first uh, round pick in 2022, 15th overall uh, that season. There's some expectations that he can contribute at a young age? Yeah, I mean, that would be a question for the coaching staff for sure. His name hasn't come up a whole lot here in camp, but um, you know, he's obviously got every opportunity here in training camp in the preseason to to make the team. Yeah, he's a 2007 born. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on him whether you know the kind of the kind of role kind of role he plays with this four group. But you're right, he's a high pick, and you know, I guess we'll see as the as the next few weeks progress. Look how how he kind of fits into this forward group. Well, you mentioned Ryder Ritchie. He's going to be a, a a guy that all the scouts will be watching for for the NHL draft. And and another one is Cole Pearden, who was on the club last year and had just nine points in fifty one games. But he's another real high pick. So I'm wondering if they're expecting more offense uh, from a guy like Pearden, thirteenth overall pick in uh, in 2021. What have you seen from him so far? Yeah, and I, I think. I think it just speaks to the, you know, these players you're listing, Guy, I think it just speaks to, you know, the overall narrative of this team, which is that they missed the playoffs last year. They were a young group last year, and the coaching staff is holding a lot of these younger players to a higher standard this year in the hopes that that translates more wins. Um, 
and, and to a playoff spot. I mean, that's the narrative around this team right now is can they take the next step and make the playoffs this year? Can some of these younger players like Cole Pearden take that next step? And so it's really the, I think the storyline in camp has really been more of a, a team aspect, uh, a team approach to this whole roster and that can some of these younger guys take their next step and improve. And so I think, you know, Pearden's one of those guys, uh, and, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, you know, I, I haven't seen these guys. I didn't see these guys play at all last year. And so I'm looking forward to, to seeing how this young group kind of progresses here, particularly early in the season, because the coaching staff has said to me that the expectations are a lot higher for these guys this season. In, in terms of a, a fan perspective, what do you think the expectations yeah. should be for this team? What, what, where do they set the bar for, all right, this has been a successful season, because we've finished here, we've accomplished this. What would make it a good year? Yeah, I, I think it's just make the playoffs. Honestly, like that that's the biggest thing for this group right now. Like I said, the coaching staff has a lot higher expectations this year. Uh, the fans are engaged. The, obviously, I've heard how passionate Raiders fans are. I'm sure they're hungry for, for a playoff team and a contender. You know, obviously, the champion wasn't that long ago. It was only 2019, and so that's missing the playoffs with the fan base or or get into the playoffs and then as you know in sports anything could happen i think i think anything less than a playoff spot would be a disappointment for everyone involved nolan now that you're uh behind the microphone in prince albert you should get to know you a little bit uh, for raiders fans who will be tuning in this uh, this season uh where did you come from how'd you get the gig in pa yeah, so I was uh, in Estevan the last two seasons in the SGHL calling Estevan Bruins games and obviously was there at a great time with the championship in 2022 and the Centennial Cup at Affinity Place down there. So that was an excellent experience. And I've been final, uh, kind of following my predecessor, Rob Mann, <laughs> a little bit over these last few years. He was in Estevan before me. And obviously, as you know, he was in Prince Albert before I got here. So it's funny how that works out, but... Yeah, I just did a couple of years of junior A and now junior level full time. Well, the bus rides will be a little longer. Are you looking forward to that? <laughs> you know, that's on, honestly excited about. It. It's just the travel and going to some of these bigger cities and right across the league and all. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that aspect of it. All right, Nolan, the uh, cell phone is uh, betraying us here as we wrap things up. So just a, a quick thank you for uh, making time to come on the show this year. Looking forward to meeting you and, and seeing the Raiders when you come through town. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it, Guy. Uh, looking forward to maybe uh, meeting you in person down the road. That was Nolan Cole, the new voice of the Prince Albert Raiders who should be noted, I think he just got to town, I think it was about a month ago, obviously still really getting to know this team, didn't see them at all last year, and uh, is uh, still learning about what these guys have to offer and what they're bringing to the table. And unfortunately, uh, the cell phone really just made the, those last few answers uh, a challenge, let's put it that way. What are your expectations for the Prince Albert Raiders? Personally, I'm thinking it was they and Brandon... Swift Current and Edmonton, the four teams on the outside looking in last year to get into the playoffs. Well, you immediately take Winnipeg out of the playoffs from the Eastern Conference, and that means one of those four teams probably gets in. And I think there are a lot of people who are thinking that the Regina Pats without Connor Bedard and potentially without Suzdalev could fall out of the playoff picture, which would open up a door for a second team. 
So you tell me, Swift Current, Brandon, Edmonton, and Prince Albert, if you're going to say two of those four teams who didn't make the playoffs last year will this year, who are those two teams? Which two teams make it and which two teams don't of those four? You can find me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. I do really like the addition of uh, Chase Coward, and I was quite surprised that uh, that Nolan suggested he might not be the starter. I don't think you go out of your way to acquire a 20-year-old goaltender and have him not be your starter, uh, but we'll see. Max Hildebrand has not been a starter in this league ever. I know he played about half the games last year, so maybe he is ready for that next step. We'll see how it all plays out once the season gets going, but uh, personally, I would be surprised if uh, Coward doesn't play two-thirds of the games for the Raiders this year as long as he's able to stay healthy. Ryder Ritchie, a lot of pressure on him as his team's going to be looking for offense, but he is a terrific player. I think he's going to do very well. When it comes to the draft, I, I think top two rounds. Maybe a guy. Depends on, on the season, obviously, but I think he has the offensive ability. He could start to push and maybe get consideration for a first-round pick. I'm not sure what to think of Cole Pearden. He was taken in the draft ahead of Ryder Ritchie, but had very different uh, rookie seasons, those two players. And you really never know what you've got with your import players until they've uh, really started the season. And even halfway through the season, some guys we've seen, they get off to a good start, and then they sort of hit a wall halfway through. A lot more hockey, a lot more travel than, than what they're used to back home. Uh, so we'll see with uh, Christoph Macias and uh, uh, Matty Kubiesa. Well, with that, that is 22 teams done. The Western Hockey League previews now complete. I want to thank all of the play-by-play broadcasters who joined me this season, as well as uh, Jeff Hollick with the Calgary Hitmen, who you heard this week as the uh, radio color analyst, uh, filling in for Brad Curl, and the general manager of the Tri-City Americans, Bob Torrey, who you also heard this week, who is sitting in for their play-by-play person. Also, a big shout-out and a thank you to everyone who has been signing up to be a patron, whether it's a seven-day free trial or you're subscribing outright, some people doing it on an annual basis. There's been a lot of activity over the last month, and I really appreciate that. And and those of you who are taking advantage of the free trial, I hope you continue on. I hope you find that it's worth your two bucks a month or more and that you'll keep going with the show. I really appreciate the support. I honestly could not do the show without my patrons, so... If you guys and gals have questions you want to address for upcoming guests, usually I'm able to give you some advance notice of who's going to be coming on the show the next week. For example, next week, tentatively booked, the new commissioner of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Mario Cicchini, will definitely also have an OHL guest. Might try to track down a uh, scout and get some pre-advanced who to watch for this coming season ahead for the uh, 2024 NHL draft. We might dip our toe south of the border and get up to date on what's happening in the USHL or the NAHL. College season, still a couple of weeks away, so probably not next week, but the week after that, I would have to think uh, we start getting close to uh, talking college hockey and adding it back into the mix. This time of year is always really busy because everybody gets going. There's always lots of excitement around the leagues early in the season, and I'm glad that you're here to enjoy the ride. And with that in mind, I'm going to wrap it up for this week. Between now and next week, the start of the CHL season, not this weekend, but next weekend, get out and watch some junior hockey if you can, some preseason action, and then we can talk about it. 
next week right here on the Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, and my name is Guy Flaming. Until then, see ya! <laughs>